I can't it. hear you now. What's up? Did the oh. intro go? <laughs> yeah, the intro I completely did. froze up. Yeah, I, 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 was, jam, I was jamming. <laughs> I completely froze up as soon as everything went. Welcome to Mixed Talks. I am Roz Mix. Uh, of course, I have my co-host with me, Ken Shock Michelle. And we have a special, special guest in the building tonight. We have a man who's done so many things, and I'm so happy to have him on tonight. Uh, Randy Thornton, a.k.a. Big Swole, former No Limit Soldier, NFL player. He's he's done it all, you know what I'm saying? Thank you so much for joining us tonight. How are you doing? Look, God is good. We're going to start off right, you know, off. You know, praising God for us and our families, you know, and for everybody who out there who's having kind of, you know, any, you know, any kind of medical problems, you know, we send all praises to God, you know, I, that's and that, that's where I started off all the time. That's good. Uh, <laughs> I think, how you doing tonight? Who, me? Yes, you. I'm hot. <laughs> come, come, come to New Orleans, you really be hot. Oh, oh no, thank you. In. No, thank you. <laughs> uh, before we get started, I want to say, you know, RP Mr. Mr. One from Paul Orndorff. Yeah. Uh, great wrestler, great heel for many years. Uh, he did his thing. You always, you know, well, great he, wrestler. He, he trained me at the power plant. See, see. You got I'm sure you got so many stories. <laughs> uh, so let's get, some, I mean some good and some bad. I, I know. I just, let's get started. I want I want to learn. About you, mm-hmm. were you, you know, are you from New Orleans? Were you born yeah. and raised? Oh man! Well, and, I, um, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you born and raised in New Orleans, mm-hmm. and how did you end up at the University of Houston playing football? Well, when I was a sophomore in college, my mom attended the University of Houston Nursing School, okay. and so uh, I've always I was recruited by 115 schools. When I came out my senior in college. I was the number one defensive back in the nation. And um, I made All-American my junior and senior year in high school. I made All-State my sophomore year. So, I, I, you know, I was you know, I was 6'4", 220 pounds playing safety and cornerback. You know, and I was uh, – I should have went to Nebraska. I should have went to Alabama. But I, I went to Houston, okay? And um, I wound up at Houston. And, um, you know, my I started my freshman year. I made All-American, first-team All-American, freshman All-American, made All-Conference, and things just went down to my senior year. <laughs> so, okay, okay, I got to ask. 115 schools mm-hmm. in, the, in the 80s. Mm-hmm. How was the recruiting back then? Oh, you want you were taking stories? <laughs> Alabama, yes. The University of Alabama picked me up at a helicopter in our stadium. Me and my mom went to Nebraska. Uh-uh. Illinois, University of Texas, and private and private planes, private jet planes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, Stop being jealous, in your house. I am. I am. I'm like, not gonna Because see, look, I'm, I'm gonna tell you the truth. Okay. A lot of people ask me, okay, why did you choose University of Houston? Well, you know, Ale- you know, because Nebraska wanted me real bad. I mean, super bad. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I, I, I told, I told you, Brett, of Houston, say, look, if y'all want me, you gotta give me the mascot number, number one, because nobody's never on number one before. I said, give me number one, and I say, uh, give me, give me some money, and I'll come. Well, they gave me Shasta's number, which a lot of alumni are still mad at me to this day, thirty years later, 
and and they gave and they, they gave me sixty thousand dollars cash, you know, and and I never told my I never told my mom or nothing like that because she's always wondering where I was getting stuff from. But you know, statue limitations. Yeah, statue limitations. <laughs> so, and I mean, you know, I mean, an eighteen-year-old kid with sixty G's, you know. Wow, because you know, back then it was the wild, wild west as far as recruiting. You know, you had <laughs> SMU, especially in Texas. Oh yeah, especially Texas. Oh yeah, it was wild, Texas. Yeah, yeah. you know, SMU, LSU, Alabama. You know, you got University of Texas, uh, Baylor. You know, all these schools. You know, that just was. You know, and, and I mean, they had no. Yeah, I remember. I came out. I came out nineteen eighty five, which right. is thirty some years ago, and um, I mean, just like I went to University of Illinois. You know, we land in the plane. And the first thing that the guy does is, you know, is shake my hand with an envelope. You know, he gave, he gave me ten thousand dollars. You know, he's shaking my hand, and I told my mom, I said, "Look, we get our ass back on this plane because I'm not coming here because it's too cold." You know, I said, <laughs> I said, "Mom, we can leave right now." These people gave me some money. Let's get out of here. But you know, we we, we had to stay. You know, and um, but man, you know, I I miss football, but you know, I I don't think about football that much anymore. You know. In my home, I, I have no football pitches. All my helmets and stuff is in the garage. All my All-American stuff is in the garage. And people come to my house, they see pictures of my family, my horses, you know, and we have art, like, in the background, you know. And people always ask me, you know, you know why? Because it's, it's over. And I know a lot of guys who I play ball with just can't let it go. Always talking about you know, football, what I, what I did, what I used to do, working two, three jobs to drive a Mercedes, you know, going to the doctor. It, it, it's over for me, you know, it, it's over. And, uh, you know, I mean, football was fun for me, but uh, right now I'm having some very serious medical conditions. I have um, I have white masses to bring to my brain. And white masses, a lot of football players get it, but they don't really have it. And what it is is deep tissue that's damaged to the brain and the nerves in your brain. And I got 47 white spots on my brain. Wow. And um, so, you know, it's, I know, you know, you know, I mean, you know, I, I got, I got a strong, I got a strong family, you know, they, they, they back me, they're going to take care of me, you know, and plus I've had six ACLs, you know, wow. I, I, I've had six ACLs. Um, I've broken my neck. I've broken all my fingers. I broke all my fingers. Uh, I broke my ankle, and you know, and all you know, just from football and wrestling. So, you know, and then the sad part is, <laughs> with the NFL, you know, I only, you know, I'm not gonna tell you how much they give me a month because you're gonna, it's gonna be so mad, you know. But <laughs> they don't, they don't give us anything, right? Well, I mean, yeah, I know it's over, but you know, were you? Drafted, or were you? Have, uh, what were you drafted to the Broncos? I might just want to have a couple more questions about football because you know. No, I'm no, no, no. I, I, I'm on the bus. Okay, because let me tell you something about me. You know, I'm, I'm, I keep it real, right? You know, I sugarcoat nothing. Uh, my going into my senior year in college, I was projected to be a second round pick, and um, the, the Los Angeles Raiders told me they were going to draft me. Oakland Raiders, whatever it was, the Raiders, they told me they going to draft me in the second round. So before the season started, my coach was Jack Party. Everybody knows Jack Party. 
and my defensive back coach was a guy by the name of Pat Thomas, who played for the Los Angeles Raiders, who's all pro. And um, I, you know, I was the captain of the team, and I was the leader. And I didn't know, and the only thing I know, I was having mental issues. You know, mm-hmm. I, 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 when I played football, I wanted to kill people. You know, I wanted to hurt people. You know, I had all these crazy thoughts in my head. And um, so I went, you know, I had one bad game. The first game, I just played terrible. It's, it's the only game I played terrible in my whole career in college. And um, I went to my coach. I said, Coach, I said, something's wrong with me. He said, what? He said, I said, something's wrong with me. Mentally, I'm not here. You know, well, something's wrong. And instead of University of Houston helping me, they benched me. And I got benched. What? You know? And um, I've hated the school for many years because of that, because I went to, you know, this, this month that so happened is Mental Health Month, you know? Right. And I hope a lot of people see this because, you know, I, I went I went to a deep, deep depression, you know? And um, there's many times I thought about taking my life in the dorms. You know, I, I was sitting in dark rooms. I didn't want to be around nobody. I was sitting in a room and start crying, you know, all kind of stuff. And so what happened was I, I went, I went back to the team in the um, like the fourth and fifth game, and we played the University of Texas, and they had a guy by the name of Eric Metcalf, and um, they said um, we was we was losing the game twenty nothing, and our trainer was like, if you want to win this game, put Randy Thornton in the goddamn game. <laughs> so they put me in the game right for halftime, and uh, I knocked Eric, I knocked Eric Metcalf out the game. And me and my me and my roommate went. We hold the most touchdowns for interception. His name is Johnny Jackson. He scored three touchdowns. I scored one, and it's still NCAA record. And so, you know, after the season, you know, a lot of team wasn't talking to me. You know, and I'm like, I, I went to the combine. You know, I was, you know, all my marks are real, real high. You know, and I'm like, mm-hmm. look, I'm getting drafted. You know, here I am. You know, I'm six for four playing safety. You know, right. in the corner. So draft day come man, and nobody, nobody's calling my agent. I mean, nobody. So wow. after the back then, they had twelve rounds. You know, right. So after the draft, the Denver Broncos called me up and said, "Look, uh, we want to bring you into our camp tomorrow, and we'll talk about contracts." I said, "Okay." He said, "We want to move you to linebacker." Linebacker. I need to play linebacker did for my life. Okay, that's what you want. I'll do it. So the next day I flew to them, we had mini camp. And I came in first in everything. I can show you the article. It said, Who's Randy Thornton? Surprise at <laughs> the camp. It was like, he should have been the first. I came in first in everything. I was so mad, you know, because I didn't get drafted. Right. I mean, I just, man, any, anything I hit, I tried to hurt. You know, I was going <laughs> off. And um, you ever heard, you know who Mike Nolan is, right? Mike Norton. Uh, Mike Norton. He's a he's a he used to be head coach of San Francisco 49ers. And he's okay, like, yeah. He's, he's he's like a defensive genius in the league. Well, his very first job in NFL was teaching me how to play linebacker. Okay, that was his very first job. And one day, you know, like I said, I play linebacker for sports. So we out there on the field, and uh, you know, we going through the drills, going through the drills, and I just got frustrated. I said, man, I ain't doing this shit no more. You know, I'm getting tired. <laughs> and Coach Norton say, Randy. I want to show you something. He said, follow me. I never forget this long as I live. He, he brought me to the you know, an NFL, all their team, all NFL team, 
have what they call a war room. And mm-hmm. in the war room is about every player that's on the team who, you know, it talks about the team. And he said, Randy, oh, this is your name. He said, read it. It says, very physical, love to hit, fast, smart, and I've seen the last word, uncoachable. Wow. And I was like, huh? He said, Jack Party caught every NFL team in the NFL and said that you were uncoachable. Don't draft you. Wow. And I was like, what? And I was like, you got to be playing. He said, no. He said, I'm not playing. Seriously. The reason I got you in the University of Houston, there's a guy by the name of Simon Fletcher who's all everything at, with, with the Denver Broncos. We played football at the University of Houston, and Simon Fletcher went to um, – um, what's his name? What's, uh, what's the – Dan Reeves. Dan Reeves, okay. He went, he went to Dan Reeves, and Dan Reeves said, tell us about this this Randy kid. He said, he said that motherfucker hit. He said, huh? <laughs> he said, he can hit. He said, and he plays – he plays like a wild man. He said, well, but they say he's uncoachable. He said, no, coach, that's not true. He's a good kid. He just got caught up in, you know, you know, with the coaching change. Because my senior year, you know how coaching change go. They weren't ready yeah. to win. So, you know, Simon told him, he said, no, coach, he's a good kid. So after the first two days of training camp, they called me in the office. They say, we want, we don't want to sign you as a free agent. We want to get you a six-round contract. So, you know? Right. I'm bonus, you know what I'm saying? And you know, they say, Rand, you came here in camp and you shine, you know. I mean, <laughs> you came, you got off. And, and that and that's how I made the Denver Broncos, man. That's, yeah, that's, how that's nice. Now, okay, okay, I got another one. After the Denver Broncos, you went no. Oh, you got a question, Michelle? Yes, I do. Okay. Did you earn a degree? No, no, ma'am. No, I'm gonna tell you, I can tell you about that. When I went back to the University of Houston, they said I owe ten thousand dollars in tickets. <laughs> you know, because as long as I was playing football, I was okay. You oh see? yeah. You know, as long yeah. as I'm playing football, they love me. You know, I mean, I, I mean, I had to, I had to go to no class. You know, I had to do none of that. You know, people was taking my tests for me. You know, and um, you know, um, if I got a parking ticket, they let, hey, that's Randy Thornton. You know, that's RT. Don't worry about it. So when I made it to the pros, the NFL had a program that they'll you can go back to school. And when I went back to school, they told me that I couldn't finish my education until I pay the $10,000 in tickets. So I told them to take the $10,000 ticket and shove up their ass because I'm not paying it, you know, <laughs> because it's bull. Because here you are, four years, you're using me. Right. You, 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 I'm getting, tackling, recruiting, everything. And you mean to tell me when I want to go back and get my degree, I owe $10,000 in tickets? You know how many people are putting that damn stands? Exactly. You know how many people wearing your jersey? Really? <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. You know how many people? You know. And you gonna tell me oh, ten thousand dollars? But let me tell you something. This because I didn't get my degree don't mean I stopped my education. Okay. Because I went on to do things. Right now, I write books. I'm. You know, I do editing. I'm a motivational speaker. Um, I work. I'm an advocate for uh, mental health advocate. Sleep apnea. I do a lot of stuff. But let me tell you something now. I read more than anybody I know. Sir, I read all the time, all the time, <laughs> and I love and, and I tell people all the time: don't let these people use you. They use right. me, you know. I was a hold of them, and they were my pimp. 
you know. And once they got rid of using me, they haven't got another. Yeah. You know, somebody going to come. And that's and, the way I feel about it. And unfortunately, a lot of young people fall into that and mm -hmm. they do wind up not getting that education. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they, they, you know, you're a star, you know, you don't have to do all of that. And, and that's, that's not technically what college is for. Mm -hmm. I understand that that's a means of going to college, mm -hmm. but while you're there, you should, mm -hmm. you know, be allowed. And I mm -hmm. don't think that they are mm -hmm. allowed to get their education. Well, like you, said, you, know, you don't have to go to classes and all yeah. that. You know who Dexter Manley is? Dexter Manley. Yeah. Off the Redskins. You know Dexter, right? Yeah. Dexter Manley went to he went. Dexter Manley went to Oklahoma State University. Got a degree. Couldn't read. Couldn't read a lick. But you know they always talk about that. In all the yeah. families, there's always the one guy who couldn't read. So yes. I guess that is real. Yeah. Couldn't read a lick. Couldn't read a newspaper. Nothing. But he but he got a degree from Oklahoma State. Okay, so after the Broncos, you was on the Giants. I went to New York Giants. I went there on Plan B. Now, when you was there, you played with Lawrence Taylor? Yeah, yeah. What was it like sharing the field with Lawrence Taylor, the madman himself? That, that's my boy, but I'm going to tell you right now, I, I, I think Carl Banks was a better player. Oh. In my, in my opinion. Okay. I, I, read the, I learned more from Carl Banks than Lawrence Taylor because – Lauren Taylor was a a diva. He would he wouldn't practice, you know. <laughs> I he love it. He was he would play golf while we while we practiced. One year, I mean, when I was there, we had a scrimmage against the New York Giants. Never forget. And um, you know, we doing the outside drills, you know, pass rush and stuff. Yeah, they kill us, man. They they we ain't getting close to them. They, you know, they 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 just killing us. So um, Bill Purcell said. Lawrence was sitting on the side on his helmet, you know, no pads or nothing, sitting on his helmet. And Bill Purcell said, Lawrence, come show these motherfuckers how to do it. He said, we're doing one time, coach. That's it. He put his helmet on. He went to the right. Got to the quarterback. <laughs> Got to the quarterback. Went up the middle. He said, I see you training for camp. I'm not doing no more. And I was like, <laughs> He was so big and so strong, you know. And if you ever watch Lawrence play, I'm gonna tell you what his secret was. I'm gonna tell you this is the first time everybody will ever hear about this. Let me tell you his secret. If you ever watch Lawrence Taylor play, watch his head. He's looking at the ball. He's not looking at the man. And we, when that ball does that, he's gone. You think he's all sides sometimes? When that ball does that, he's like a rocket. You know? Now, it's crazy hearing you say that when you were 6'4", 250, and he's talking about how big and strong Lawrence Taylor is. That must really mean like, like – That was yeah. all man. That, that, that was all man right there. I'm, I'm not <laughs> – you, know, you know, it was an honor. You know what? You know, that's so funny. I, I got a phone call, you know, last month from Steve Atwater. And oh, yeah. Me and Steve, we, we, we best friends. Can, can we play against each other in college? And we're real good friends with Denver Broncos. Matter of fact, his rookie year, I took care of Steve Atwater. You know, that's good. And I got a, I, you know, you know, I, I got a phone call. You know, I'm on the heart transplant list, so I can't, I can't leave the state, the city of New Orleans. And so Steve called me up, 
And I said, man, congratulations on the Hall of Fame. You know, man, I'm proud of you. And he said, Randy, uh, I got a ticket for you. I want you to come to the Hall of Fame. Wow. It meant so much to me. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure. Because yeah. I had to tell I had to tell him no. You know, I said, Steve, I can't come. He said, why? I said, I don't think you heard, but I've had two heart attacks. Now I'm on a heart transplant list. Damn, RT, damn. I said, but I'll be there in spirit, you know? And I can hear his voice. He's about to cry, you know? I'm like, Steve, I'm proud of you, man. You know? Because we call him H2O. You know, that's his nickname with us. I said, I'm proud of you. He said, you know, he, he said, he said, RT, just get right. You know, I said, okay. And I hung up the phone, man. I started crying because not too many people get invited to the Hall of Fame ceremony. You know? Right. Um, Given this last year, <laughs> isn't there some way that you can virtually attend? No, no way. I can't no. I can't get an hour from the hospital. No, no I mean, no I mean, there's not even a way you can do it with your phone. No. So that you can no. at least no. They want you to, the Hall of Fame wants you there. Yeah. See this? This is uh, a computer. I have a two inch cable going to my stomach that goes into my heart. You know, I, I'm connected to a machine. When I go to sleep at night, my wife has to uh, plug me into the wall, you know. And, and I'm not saying, look, I don't know if you can see, but you know, if you can see this, you know, I have a, I have a fibrillator and I got a pacemaker. You know, and is this, you know, you know, when you're on the heart transplant list, they're very, very strict. You know, you can't, you can't drink, you can't smoke cigarettes, you can't smoke weed, you can't do nothing. And when they, when they call, you got an hour to get there, you know, and, you know, yeah. and, you know, and guess what? I love Steve Atwater, but I'm not leaving the city of New Orleans. Oh, I understand that. I was, I was just, I, I, I don't, I don't understand the whole process. I was just thinking that, given how we've, tra you know, moved to to everything being virtual and digital over the last year, I thought that maybe there was some way you could attend like that. So you could still, if you had to get to the hospital, but you could still see, or, you know, well, participate. But there's a lot of ceremonies that you don't even see that people don't even know about that go in the hall. Right. There's private parties. There's ceremony. You know, and they don't record it, you know, and, um, you know, but, you know, it, it was just an honor, you know what I'm saying? Just to see my boy, you know, somebody I know going to the Hall of Fame, yeah. you know, and man, and I, I don't know, but man, I get choked up about that, man, because, you know. I see, yeah, it was, it was that's love, man. Man, look, people, people ask Steve Atwater, and he'll, he'll tell you, you know, who's one of the best athletes you ever seen? He'll tell you, if Randy Thornton didn't tear his knee up, it was going to be a problem. You know, when I tore my knee my second year, I mean, I shredded my whole knee. I tore my ACL, everything, ripped the pieces. When it took me out the field, my leg was like this. You know, this, this, I had no ligaments. I tore all ligaments from my knee. And after that, it just, it just changed my career because it took me so long to overcome it, you know? Yeah. So, after you uh, finished with the football, you you know you did a stint in the CFL. Yes, and then you went on to wrestling. Yes, when I was, when I was in the CFL in the off season, I moved to Minnesota and I trained under a guy by the name of Brad Riggins. Brad Riggins, and for those who don't know who Brad Riggins is, he trained the Royal Warriors, Demolition, oh, yeah. the Steiners, 
He trained Big Van Vader. Brock Lester was his last, you know, student. Uh, you know, I mean, Mr. Perfect, Jesse, Jesse, the Body Ventura, all went to the, the school. And so I went to the school for two years, and I did my first wrestling match with AWA, and I was wrestling also in New Japan, and I got a phone call, and they were saying, "Look, they starting Canadian football in America. You want to join?" Yeah. <laughs> okay. And so I, you know, and so I left, you know, I left wrestling, and I, you know, and I went back to play CFL. Now, okay, you said you played in New, you, you wrestled in New Japan. What was that like being a, you know, a black man wrestling in New Japan? How was that? You know, was that an experience, or you know, what was it, that like? It was fun, you know, because I when I went to Japan, I trained over there, so they treat us differently, you know. Uh huh. Um, you know. You know, I, you know, they was telling me stories about Stan Hansen, you know, <laughs> a lot of them was telling about the time, you know, you know, Andre the Giants is a racist, you know, the guy. Yeah, was I heard seeing you post about, about that. Yeah, yeah. They, they say stuff about that. You know, but I was on tour with um, the Steiner brothers, uh, Big Van Vader. Um, back back then, we called him a Pegasus kid, you know, Chris Benoit. But we called <laughs> him, you know, he was a Pegasus kid back then. And man, and I mean, but it, man, I miss, I tell my daughter all the time, if I didn't have my kids, I, I'll, I'll be back in Japan. I love it there. It feels very it, nice. Man. Go ahead. Okay. Are you on mute? You can't hear you. Oh, sorry. Can you okay. hear me now? Yeah, I can yeah. hear you. <laughs> um, of the Asian people, the Japanese are considered to be the tallest, correct? Mm, that means single tall one. China. No, China I'm, I mean, I'm talking about of, you know, like Filipino, Chinese, Japanese. Japanese are considered to be the tallest, correct? No. No, Chinese, they're not? No, Chinese. Chinese? Are tall. Yeah, they're tall. So did you have trouble, like, with the, the structures and things there being mm -hmm. as tall? No. I mean, I loved it. I mean, you know, because you learn a different culture, you know, um, you, know, you learn about you know things that you didn't know about, you know, especially about nutrition, because they I'll give you an example. In Japanese schools, they don't have janitors, they don't have cooks. The teachers and the students cook the food and they clean right. their own they, they clean their own room. Right. I'm, like, I'm like, damn, what? That's like, <laughs> you know, we don't have no janitors. We have no and those kids learn in Japan, those kids learn about the stock market in kindergarten. First grade, okay. they learn about the stock market, mutual money from the money fund, CD. They learn that so they're so far, they are so far advanced that we, it's just ridiculous, you know. I'm talking about education wise, and I'm talking about you know for as um, I remember when I was in Japan, you know, looking at a VCR and a CD player before they even came to the United States of America. Well, I know <laughs> that they are much more. And I think they're part of what you're saying, like the fact that they do community meals mm -hmm. and they do their own, mm -hmm. keep their own spaces clean and things mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. They don't have, um, they have much more discipline Correct. Yes, than, than we do. Um, because their expectation is that everyone mm -hmm. is responsible mm -hmm. to make sure that this thrives. Correct. Whereas we we have we have almost a class system here, mm -hmm. you know, like if you're wait staff or retail, mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. look down upon you. Mm -hmm. Where they, I think they get away from some of that because everything is community mm -hmm. based. Now, 
And I'm gonna tell you the strangest place I've arrested when I've been in my life is Mongolia. You know, oh, wow. and I'm in Mongolia. And I'm like, I'm walking the same grounds as you know, Genghis Khan. You know, <laughs> and, you know, I'm watching. See, I'm a horse fanatic, and I'm watching these people ride these little bitty horses like madmen. You no, know, with these with these raggedy saddles. I'm like, yeah, you know, how, how these people? Because I I couldn't even get on the horse. I was too big. My people right. dragged the ground, and like you know, <laughs> you, know you know, going to Mongolia. You know, I've, I've been I've been to China. I've been to Mongolia, Japan. Australia, London. Um, I've been to Sweden, Canada, and I have to say, out of all of them, I'm more fond of Japan than any place. Now you said you trained in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Now being born and raised in New Orleans and going to Minnesota, that had to have been. The, you said Illinois was cold. I've been to Minnesota. That's cold weather. It's cold. It was cold. You know, it was really, really cold. You know, but and the reason the reason I went to Minnesota is because because the big cat Ernie Ladd. Oh, oh, he's a, he's a legend. Yeah, uh, big big cat. When I was at University of Houston, and uh, I went to this place called Frenchies, and uh, everybody knew big cat was working at Texas Southern University. You know, uh-huh. and I walked in. I heard this man say, "You're a pretty motherfucker. Oh, you're a pretty motherfucker." I was like, "Huh? You ever talk about being a wrestler?" I was like, "No, sir." You ain't talk. You should go to wrestling. If you want to go to wrestling, here's my number. So my football, you know, when I was going to my little career change, I called him. And he's he's from senior wrestling school. And so I went up to Minnesota, you know. That's wow, man. Just the connections you made, Ernie Ladd, that's man. So eventually you made it to WCW. No, not first. I made it to um I I wrestled AWA. Okay, AWA. AWA is with um Brian Gagne. Oh, okay. And then I went to um, New Japan. And I watched some independent. And uh, one day, me and Master P was in the studio. You know, we were doing the last Dawn LP. And um, so, I, yeah, we we, we, you know, we watching TV. And Conan is out there. Who do you, you know? So <laughs> I'm about it, about it. And ride it, ride it. So I looked at P. I said, P, I can get us. WCW. Man, stop lying. You can I say P. I can get us there. Because everybody think that they contacted P. I did all the work. I'm telling I'm telling you the truth. I called Brad Riggins because Brad Riggins was head looking for New Japan. Brad called um Kurt Hennings. And so Kurt Hennings made some connection for me. And I told him I was with No Limit and all that. So me and our lawyers for No Limit, we flew to Atlanta. And then I walk in the room, this Dusty Rose, Macho Man Randy Savage, yes. Kevin Nash. I'm like, hey, what the hell? You know, so we you know we sat down, we negotiated, and um, you know, and you know, you know, and the first person I asked, they say, Randy, you know, we know you got Conan, you know, we know you got Ray Mysterio. Who else you want? I said, I want New Jack. Oh, yeah. They say, no way in the world. I say, hey, <laughs> you can't have him. I'm like, why? They say, made the responsibility, you know? So they say, we got somebody named Brad Armstrong, B.A. And yeah. you can have Brad Armstrong and Chase Tatum, you know? And I said, well, I won't bring my boy in four by four, you know? So I brought one of my, one of my good friends in. And um, a lot of people say that um, WCW contacted Master P. Right. That's not the truth. 
you know. Well, so that's an exclusive that you the one who made the connection. Yes, I did. With Master P. I did. <laughs> I did that. You know, and um, you know, it, it was it turned out to be one of the worst moves in my life. <laughs> it really did. I I couldn't imagine New Jack and WCW. Yeah. Cause especially at that time when he was really he was hot. When he was when he was really, really new jack. He was hot. Yeah. yeah I, I wanted I wanted the man, but he confronted he if y'all see the video, he confronted Kevin Nash about it. That the new the, the new the new Limit soldiers wanted him and uh you wouldn't let him let let me sign. And him and Kevin Nash had a couple of words about that. Yeah. I'm, I, I think I've seen that. I, I think I've seen that. I have to look it up again. Yeah. So, he so wanted, you know, he wanted to be a soldier. That would have been. That would have been great. Yeah. It would. So, you say it was one of the worst mistakes. Yeah. Is that because how things, how WCW was running it, or you know, what was that? Let me lie to you. Tell you the truth. Tell the truth. I mean, that's what we're here for. We're here for the truth. Master P abandoned us. Um, he got almost half a million dollars, you know, for almost mm-hmm. a year of work, you know. And um, th- we were hot. People remember me jumping out of the stands, at, you know, the most, most gangster move ever in wrestling. Well, I jump out the stands and jump into the ring and start kicking ass, you know. Yeah. It was hot. And, man, and so, you know, man, you know, the Cowboys did the rapper's crap, you know, tour. And man, and we was having we was having fun, you know, and um, something was happening. What was happening was the tech, the rate, the West Texas Rednecks were turning to the good guys, and we were turning to the bad guys. Right. Because you know, we go, you know, we go down south, man. We had to get police escorts. Man, people throwing batteries at us, you know. <laughs> you know, it, it was switching. So you got to remember, you know, look, Dusty Rhodes called my cell phone. And Dusty said, Ray, we got a problem. I said, what's the problem, Dusty? He said, it can't be like this. Eric Bishop, I don't want it like this. He said, um, in two weeks, we're going to do bad sets at the beach, which is a pay-per-view. He right. said, you're going to win. He said, but be- the week before that, we're going to fly to Atlanta, and you're going to do a wrestle match, and a West Texas Redneck going to jump y'all and just beat the dog shit out y'all. But we, we got to make the people mad at you know at them for, pre- mm-hmm. for pay-per-view. So, got member. We're talking about Dusty Rose, okay? Right. So, I flew to Atlanta. We did it. And the very next day, I go to the bank, you know? So, the banker come up to me and say, Randy, you got a phone call. Well, who the hell called me at a bank? At bank <laughs> one, you know? Right. I pick up the phone. And, ma'am, I apologize. I'm about to say, okay? I, I, I really do. I apologize. Motherfucker, who the fuck you think you are? Motherfucker, nigga, nigga, bitch, motherfucker, nigga, blah, blah, blah. You know what? Motherfucker, do the show on your fucking own. Fuck, I run this shit. That's the road I'm running this shit. I run this motherfucking shit. And I'm like, nigga, nigga, what's your problem? You know, you do know this is wrestling, right? It's fake. Right. So we go do a match in Tennessee. Pete don't show up. Okay. Then we do pay per view. Now you got to remember. Master P was involved in every every show. Right. When you go when you do wrestling matches, you get there around three o'clock, and from three to seven or three to eight, you go over your moves. You know, you know, mm-hmm. you, you practice your moves. You know, it's a script. You know, this we're gonna do this and do that and blah blah blah. You know, then you gonna close line me. Then I'm so. Dusty Rose walked in the room, said, "Well, 
Westminster P. Because you have to remember, Ted Turner was owning WCW. You know, mm-hmm. you all don't know Ted Turner is. You, you just don't know about money. You know, <laughs> and so they they they're like, well, "Ready to with Master P?" I, I don't know. It's I mean, it's four o'clock. You know, and we got to get the the stuff rolling. He never showed up. You know, so showed up. And so that, was he last, was, that was the last conversation we ever had. Me and P haven't talked in twenty one years. I will forgive you for saying that wrestling is fake. <laughs> That's all I need to forgive you for. <laughs> hey, look, so, you'd be amazed how many people you think hate each other are best friends, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah I've seen it. Yeah, I've me and Karina were best friends, and we used to laugh about it, you know, just laugh I, and joke about it. I wanted to ask you about Kurt Henning because he was one of my favorites. The Mr. Yeah. Mr. Perfect was one of my yeah. favorites, so he was a good guy. That's all yeah. I need to hear. Because, you know, Kurt was the man. Cause you know, always know you don't want to meet your heroes. Cause like a lot of the guys were assholes behind the scenes, and to hear that he was a good guy is, makes it better for me to make you know. I was a big can fan I, of his. Can Can I tell you a very sad story? Oh yeah, it's sad. Uh, damn, it's sad. Um, Junkyard Dog was my idol. You know, when I was a little right. kid, Junkyard Dog was he was he was bigger than Hulk Hogan when he when he was with Mid South, and so. Master P was trying out for the Charlotte Hornets, and um, and I was with him. So he had a game the next day. He said, look, I'm going to rest all night. Y'all go ahead, you know, take a day off. I'm going to rest. I'm going to be in the room. So one of the people downstairs say, Swole, you know, there's a wrestling match, you know, down the street. You want to go? I said, there's no auditorium down the street. He said, no, it's a used car lot. <laughs> used car lot. Say, yeah, Junkyard Dog gonna be there. Oh man, we're going. So we go there, we got our medallions on and no little medallions. So they the people tripping, you know. Mm-hmm. No, no, just no, you know. So they let us go backstage. Man, Junkyard Dog in the ring, man, he, he looked so old, he was so big, you know. And he came in the backstage, and um, I went over, I started talking, I said, Man, look, I'm from New Orleans, I mean, we from Mid South, and I'm one of the biggest fans, you know, at JYD, you know, can we take a picture? You know, and he's like, "Swole, can I talk to you?" I said, "Yeah." He said, "Can I borrow two hundred dollars?" Huh? Can mm. I borrow hundred? Now I was walking around with 10, 15 G's in my pocket. You know, that was no money. You know, I'm like, you know, I gave him, I gave him two, I gave him two hundred, and he went over and gave this guy two hundred dollar bills I gave him, and the promoter said, "Rand, you know what you did with your money?" I said, "What?" He said, them dudes about to kill him because he owed him some drug money from yesterday. He smoked up all the all the crack and he, he, he was $200 short. And I'm like, what? He said, he's a crackhead. Oh, that hurt me so bad, man. That just hurt me. Junkyard dog was junkyard dog, man. It, oh. it hurt me. And man, I was like, my idol, you know? This this is the this is the man that I want to be like. And man, he was a crackhead. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm speechless. Like, oh, that bad. I mean, hearing it hurts, but to actually live that, it hurts. Like, say, don't want to meet your heroes because they they gonna let like, oh wow, that's like I tell people the time I met Gary Coleman. Mm. <laughs> I was a big Gary Coleman fan. He like played me off, like whatever, kid. You know, I was a yeah. fan. <laughs> I, 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 and I, I tell people, you know, um, you know, 
you know, I, I watch people talk about the No Limit Soldiers and Master P9. I just start laughing because it's it's just funny to me, you know, things they say about him, you know, and they they, they, they put him on a pedestal this high, you know, yeah, and I, and, and I just don't understand it. But like I said, you know, and you know, I, I, don't, I don't know if you told your co-hosts, but this is my last interview ever that I'm talking about No Limit. I, you know, I told my I told my team and everybody. I'm not doing no more interviews about No Limit. This is it. It's over. I don't want to talk about it no more. I keep talking about the same things over and over, and I mean it. You know, I, I'm not, not doing it no more because, you know, I, I want God to bless me in my life and my family's life. And as long as you keep bringing me back to the memories, I, I can't move forward as a man. You know, P doing his thing. P's on the news all the time about his investment. That's nice for you. Leave me alone. I want to live on my phone. Let me take care of my horses. Let me take care of my dogs. Let me take care of my woman. Take care of my kids. I don't need no Bentley to say I'm a man. You no, know? I don't need that kind of stuff. You know, and I'm and I'm not, I mean it, man. I am not doing this anymore. You know, and you know, I said, see, I know the truth behind the limit. I'm gonna leave it at that. I know the truth, and the people y'all see is not the person I know. I'm gonna leave it at that. Well, I want to. Go ahead, Michelle. You had a question. Well, no, I had a comment. Um, like you say, you, you say don't meet your heroes, but we have to remember, even if we consider them heroes, they are people. People too, yeah. Mm -hmm. And they have problems just mm -hmm. like other yeah. people. Mm -hmm. And when you look at entertainers, mm -hmm. don't forget what their title is: mm -hmm. entertainer. Mm -hmm. That's not who they are when they go home and take right. their makeup off and, and, you know, sit around in their pajamas eating Ben and Jerry's. Right. <laughs> That's not who they are anymore. Yeah. They, when they get to, to their relaxation point, they are just a person. Well, see, at my house, yeah, see, at my house, and my wife will tell you, no, Big Swole stay outside. Big Swole don't come in this house. You know, when I walk in the house, it's Randy. But out down the street, you know, hey, Sign your autographs and do what you want to do. We go in public, but you leave, leave swole ass outside. Don't bring him to my house. And that, that's, that's, that's real. Right. You know, that's like, I got to tell you another story you're going to like. You're going to like this one. I met Michael Jackson one time. I and, was going to ask you about this. Yeah. <laughs> so we, 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 we in his law office. I'm talking about this big time, you know. And, you know, and I'm sitting, Master P and Boz in a meeting with these lawyers. And I'm sitting outside in the lobby by the receptionist. So this door opens up, this tall dude, and he said, um, I want to see somebody. And they said, oh, he's in, he can't see you because he didn't meet with Master P and the No Limit Soldiers. And then Michael Jackson got excited. The No Limit Soldiers are here? What? Master P is here? And I'm looking like, damn, I'm looking at Michael Jackson. You know? So, you know, you know, got remember I had my medallion on, you know, because, you know, he walked up to me. He said, "He said, are you a soldier?" I said, "My brother, they called school. What's happening?" He said, "I'm Michael Jackson." I said, "I know who you are." He said, "Man, that's a nice medallion." I said, "Thank you." He said, "Can I have it?" I said, "No." He was, he was shocked that nobody tells him no. He's like, "What?" I'm like, "No, go get your own damn medallion. You you, you, you got enough money. You go buy a million of these." Right. So when he walked out. That was the biggest thing in the office.
Big Swole New Limit told Michael Jackson, no. <laughs> I said, well, how many people tell his brother no? And they was like, nobody, you know, nobody. Tell. And man, Michael's tall. I mean, he ain't a short brother. He is tall and skinny, you know. But, mm -hmm. you know, but I played it off cool. But, you know, I was, there's, only, there's only two people or three people I was excited about meeting in the music industry. Michael Jackson. And when I was in Pittsburgh, you see Prince everywhere. Prince walk around like a normal person from Minnesota. Right. No bodyguard, yeah. no nothing. And the time I met, um, what was his name? Garth Brooks. You know? Garth Brooks? <laughs> Garth, Brooks Garth Brooks is the nicest person I've ever met in my life. Seriously. He is the he is the nicest person I have met. Oh, that's good. You know, I mean, Garth, I mean, wow, Garth Brooks. I wasn't expecting you to say Garth Brooks. <laughs> yeah, not after Michael Jackson and Prince. <laughs> But I wouldn't expect Prince to need a bodyguard because Prince kind of got that psycho look about him. Yeah. He kind of looked like he was a little off. So. No, no, Prince be jogging around his neighborhood by himself, exercising. You know, he go play basketball with his boys. That, that, but Minnesota yeah. was his town, you know. But but that's different because I ain't going to say nobody's name. We got rappers coming back to New Orleans with 30 bodyguards, you know, 30, 25 bodyguards. Who you scared of, you know? Nobody. It's it's a matter. It's a means of showing their wealth. Yes, that's all it is. And, and I mean, but you know, it's you know, and, and the funny part is that when people meet me for the first time, they, they, you know, they, they, I'm talking. I'm talking about God, education, health issues. Damn, you know, so this this you're supposed to be a gangster. You know, here here I am. Right now, I'm writing children's books and writing children coloring books. And I'm writing, a, I just finished a book called Your, Sacred, Your Secret is Safe for Me Confidential. It's about empowerment for women. And everybody's like, you write? Yeah, I write and I read, you know? And it, that's just not what people think of me. You know, especially say, big school for New Linen. You know, they think I live in the hood, you know? Uh -huh. They think, I well, I carry a gun, yeah, but you know, who don't carry a gun, you know? <laughs> you know? That would you know, be me. You, know, so, <laughs> you, you get in New Orleans, you, got, you have to, you got to. And um, you know, but you know, my family is the most important, and man, and it, it's an honor, you know, when, when people tell me, you're not what I thought you'd be, you know, I'm, I, you know, I don't talk that you heard me, you feel what I'm saying, you know, you know, I'm like, I don't wear no gold chains, or none of that it, kind of stuff. Eventually, people need to have to or should grow up. Yeah, and yeah. you should out. You should while a persona is fine to have for a certain amount of time. Eventually, you should outgrow that mm -hmm. and transition. I don't know into business or mm -hmm. promoting or whatever. Transition into another phase of whatever industry you're in. Mm -hmm. You can't. I would hope you mm -hmm. wouldn't be, you know, a gangster till you die, unless you <laughs> die at 27. So, <laughs> you know, I, I would mm -hmm. hope that you would grow out of that and. Move on to the phase. That's one of the reasons why I have no pictures of football in my house because there's so many guys can't let it go. You know, they just can't let it go, and I, I can let it go. And um, I've had some friends. You know, cause we have Essence down here, Essence Festival. Yeah. And, I, and I, I have some friends call me up. You know, the last time at Essence, and they I came a couple of years ago before COVID, and they called me and say, "Well, Swole, uh, you know, I'm in town." Oh, okay. You know, let's get together. Let's do let's do lunch, yeah, dinner. You know, 
oh man, we're going to the club. Oh man, I don't do clubs. <laughs> I, said, I, don't oh, do no. clubs. I said, I've been to a club since 1998. They're like, huh? I said, man, look, you're welcome to come to the house, meet my family, or you can come to the farm, you know, and we can relax. And they was like, you're different. I'm, I grew up. You yeah. Know? I grew up. You know, and man, I, I mean, that, man, that, 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 that NFL, that pro wrestling, it, it, it doesn't make who I am because it's not who I am. You know, if I close my eyes tomorrow, I want to tell people, man, I mean, Swole wants to educate his people. You know, he's an advocate. Man, hell with football. Hell with no limit. Hell with all. That shit don't mean nothing to me. You know, when I, when, you know, when I close my eyes, I want my daughter to say, you know, my daddy wrote books, coloring books. You know, he, he, he wrote empowerment books for children. You know, that's what I want to be known as. You know, and I tell people all the time they meet me. My name is Randy. Okay. My swole, my friends call me Swole. Please call me Randy. You know, <laughs> and, and, and that's just how I am. You know, and man, you'd be amazed after having two heart attacks. Oh, this is, this is, I've had two heart attacks, or well, two heart failures, open heart surgery. I'm on this, I'm on an LVAP machine. I'm on a, I'm on, I'm on a list for uh, um, heart transplant. You know how many times Master Pete's called me? Uh, I would take none. <laughs> you know, none. He hasn't called my wife, my children, or nothing. How my boy doing? Do y'all need water? Y'all need grits? You know what I'm saying? Can you come on all these damn songs talking about we family, we soldiers to the day I die. Look, whatever happened between me and you, that was 20 years ago. You know? But maybe he can't. Maybe he can't move past what he did because he knows. He, because sometimes it's hard to say I'm sorry. What's that word you have to say? A narcissist. That's what's called a narcissist. That's what he is. Well, that that could be true. That could be true too because there are good and bad people. But I, I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. I don't know the man. I don't know nothing about him. I I know his name and that's it. But. You know, Sometimes it's hard to say I'm sorry when they know they did something wrong. It's just like today I talked to King George, who's one of the original No Limit Soldiers. Wow. You know, we talked today, you know, he, he went blind. He's blind now. He lost his sight two weeks ago. And uh, it was me, him, and Pokey on the phone. And uh, we talking and talking. I say, I say, uh, I say, King, I said, now belongs to this No Limit group, and everybody's praying for you. You know, man, you're going to be okay. I mean, he started crying, you know. He was like I hear in his voice, he was crackling. And he said, Man, you know what hurt me the most? I said, What? He said, MP haven't called me that one time. Damn. I said, What? He said, He has not called me. I'm like, So besides, you know, King George, do you stay in any other people from those yeah. no limit from the camp? I still, yeah, I still keep in touch with um V90. You know, we talk mm -hmm. all the time. Uh, especially all the security guards, you know, the, the head. Oh, okay. You know, yeah. you know we, we all talk V90. I went by Pokey House today. You know, man is getting a group of kids come out to the farm and we're going to bring around cattle and chickens and horses, you know. And man yeah. is, a, he's our day minister now, you know. So we all moved on and we all moved on in our lives. And because um, people, you know, like we was talking today and somebody was asking me about the New Limit Chronicle, you know. And I said, I can't comment about it because I've never seen it. They're like, what? Never seen it. You ain't seen it? For what? 
don't want to see it. I feel you though. Yeah. Because I know the truth. You know, I don't want to see it. Man haven't watched it. You know, he watched it because he was on it. Pokey never watched it. Uh, KL for a long time didn't watch. I don't want to see it. I have no interest in seeing it. Somebody asked me a question the other day. If Master P was to call me right this instant, what would I do? I said, well, two things have to happen. Number one, he will not pick up the phone and call me. That's number one. Mm-hmm. And number two, if he was to call, I'm not answering. Bottom line. Uh-huh. I'm not answering. Look, and let me tell y'all something. It's a difference between hating somebody and hurt. I hate no man. But hurt. Because, like I said, you can't pick up the phone and call my family. Here, here I am, big swole, fresh on parole, big swole, switching, hitching. I took care of you. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I mean, how was your security? How was your, how's your bodyguard? You mean to tell me you can't call my family? This is, this, hey, y'all need water? You know, it, it, all the bills? You know, all the bills we pay? Which is like, we don't because me and my family are okay financially. So don't think I'm broke. We're we, we doing okay. But it's still the idea, you know, pick up the phone, you know, because I'm telling you something like, he knows my situation. I know he knows because he still talks to V90. I talk to V90 all the time. Man, hey, man, what's the number? Let me call him. Send me a text. It's what it's been praying for you. It's a difference between somebody hurt and somebody mad. I'm not mad at nobody. Look, because I'm telling you something. I'm so I'm so grateful to be with that brother because after my football career, I ran some major tax issues. They're about to put me in prison. Oh, wow. Because my agent, I thought he was paying my taxes and he wasn't. You know, and uh, it happens all the time in NFL, NBA. Yeah, I, yeah, I hear about that all the so, time. And so um, here I am. I'm about to go. I'm about to go to prison, and I'm me and P just sitting in the car. What's wrong, Swole? Nothing, Pete. Swole, what's wrong? I heard that conversation. What's wrong? I said, man, these taxes, man. You know, I'm a couple of thousand dollars, you know, in taxes, man. And I don't have the money. So it's okay. And the next day, man, he paid all my taxes. Thousands of dollars, man. See, that's the P.I. know, you know? Pay pay Mm -hmm. my taxes, man. How many brothers do you know pay thousands? For another brother's taxes, you know, and I'm grateful for that. And I always be grateful, you know. And I, and I, you know, a lot of my interviews, I say, hey, you know, I want to thank Master because he brought me, he brought me to a level that my, I could never get. Not even playing pro football, man. I, I, I've driven Bentleys. I lived in mansions. I went to music awards. I hung out with celebrities. You know, everything, man. I, man, when you when you was with No Limit, everybody walked around with ten thousand dollars in their pocket. Everybody had a car. Everybody had a house. He made sure that, you know, money was no object to us when we was there. I stayed with 10 G's in my pocket. So moving forward from No Limit, you now, you know, I see that you you talk about mental health a lot, mm. mental health advocate. Mm-hmm. Um, is that what you want to be known for? Is that what you want to, from here on out, it's all about, you want to talk your interviews, podcasts, you just want to talk about mental health and helping others and educating the young, helping people, you know. Is yeah. that what your, your goals are now? Man, when, when I was out in the world, man, I used to dream about killing people. 
you know. Um, I was the person you didn't mess with, you know, because if, if I fight you, I don't want to just fight you. I want to hurt you, you know. I, I, I want to make you I want to make you understand that you mess with the wrong brother. My, my wife has only seen me mad one time, and she tell you she never will see me like that again. When, when I lose it, I lose it, you know. And, uh, you know, everybody know I carry guns. It's, it's no secret, you know. I'm always carry a gun, you know, and I'll use it. I, you know, and I understand that my issues, you know, I, I, I and like I say, I would dream about killing people. I'll dream about hurting people. Even when I play football, you know, this is my opponent. I'm going to hurt him. I don't want to tackle him. I want to hurt him. And man, and that was some things with the demons inside of me, you see, because man, I, man, there's so many people you know, they have mental health issues and they just don't know. Look, I didn't know I had mental mental health until I went to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I was working for the FBI and the DEA, you know, doing motivational shows in high school and in the Department of Education. This in the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I go in the hotel room, there's a videotape. And the video I'm not gonna lie to you, I thought it was a flick. I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch this, you know. <laughs> I press rewind and the video started. And this it's Terry Bradshaw. Oh, he, he's talking about depression. How he was with the Pittsburghs. People understand the Terry Bradshaw you see now is not the same Terry Bradshaw we played for Pittsburgh Steelers. He didn't talk to the media a lot. He didn't hang out with his teammates. He was sitting in dark rooms, all time staying. Really, I mean, every time he says something, I start sitting up. Yeah. That's me, you know. Oh, he start talking. That's me, you know. Terry Bradshaw to this day, I don't know he saved my life. Seriously, he saved me. When I left Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, I went home, and the first person I contacted was my agent. I told him I need a psychiatrist, and I got and I got help, and I'm, I'm much better today. Yeah, because you know I play a little bit of football, nothing like you have, you know, mm-hmm. semi-pro and things of that nature. And you do find yourself. You know, you don't realize it until you hear somebody else say it. Mm-hmm. it what's going on in your head, and mm-hmm. and you need, you know, I highly suggest everyone go sit down with someone mm-hmm. and just talk. You know, a therapist or things of that nature. Yes, Michelle. Who's gonna pay for that? Our most insurance. Assist, our health. Our, no. No. Most. Most, most health care doesn't. Ins- most yeah, health care insurance does not cover it. She's telling the truth. They don't because they don't cover that. You know, and um, but you know, but but there's still hotlines. There's helplines, there's resources, you know, and um, you know, because there's some people, you know, that, like a young lady I know named Carol. She runs a foundation where she helps, you know, people with mental health issues and stuff. It's, you, know, you just gotta find it, you know. Yeah. There's, there's something for everybody out there. To be honest with you. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't have to hunt for mm-hmm. a needle in a haystack mm-hmm. for something that is very common. Especially right now. Right now, it's terrible. Right. And it shouldn't be, there shouldn't be a stigma attached to it. Mm. It shouldn't be, you know, oh, you're so brave to ask for help. Mm. That should not be the attitude. Mm. Mm. That, But it is. it is. Most insurance doesn't cover it. And then when you do get coverage for it, you're limited on the number of sessions you can Correct. have or a, a cap on how much they'll mm. spend. Mm. And 
you get just it's like it's like people that go into rehab. They keep you in rehab for 31 days, mm -hmm. which is just enough time to dry you out, mm -hmm. get you standing back up on your own. Mm -hmm. And then they push you back out into society and say, OK, go be sober. Mm -hmm. You don't have the tools. Mm -hmm. And without mm -hmm. the tools, you cannot sustain mm -hmm. because I have several diagnoses mm -hmm. and. I'm able to function because I have the tools that I mm -hmm. need to function and I have the hotlines and I have the mm -hmm. safety nets to, mm -hmm. to, to call. Mm -hmm. If I know I'm in distress, I have people I can call and say, I'm in distress and they will come to my mm -hmm. house mm -hmm. and be like, we'll sit with you until this is over. But everybody doesn't have that. And it should not be so hard to obtain mm -hmm. because if you don't know where to look, Mm -hmm. Or if you don't even know who to ask, mm -hmm. if you don't know to ask your mm -hmm. doctor, mm -hmm. do you have a hotline that I can call because mm -hmm. I need to talk to somebody? If you don't know to ask those questions, there's mm -hmm. nothing out there. There's There needs to be big billboards that say, if you need help, call this number. And there's not. Well, let, let me see. see, that's my job and your job, you know, especially in the black community, because in the black community, we don't we don't talk about health, health issues. You know, it's just taboo, you know, very and taboo. It, you know, it's, it's we just don't talk about it. Well, I'm already crazy anyway, so it doesn't matter to me. I can talk about it because, you know, I've had people look me in my eyes all the time and they'll say, you know, so you look through people, you know, you look through people. I can look at you and look through you. Cause I made a comment the other day and I tell people all the time about a business tip. They say, what's the best business tip you can give somebody? I'm thinking mentally, you know? Mm -hmm. I said, I'll never trust nobody who wears shades inside. <laughs> huh? Never yeah. Who wears shades inside because he's hiding something. He doesn't want you looking his eyes. And it all comes back to the to the mint. That's my I, I consider that's my job because I have a flat, I have a platform. I got a good following. People gonna listen to Big Swole. You know, they're gonna listen to me. You know, hey, it's it's okay to ask for help. You know, every morning I wake up, I listen. You know, when I go for my walk, because I can't lift weights, because my heart, I go for a walk every morning. While I'm walking, I'm listening to Whitney Houston, you know? You know, I wasn't built to break, you know? I didn't know my own strength. I listened to it, you know? And that song just builds me up, you know? I'm not built to break, man, you know? But it's very hard to try to convince people or even say to people, it's okay to ask for help. Oh, don't about that, that that that's that's they stuff. Don't 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 talk to me about that. And I'm like, okay, fine, go play in traffic or something. But, but it gets frustrating when you try to help people, and they just okay. brush you off. Well, you know what thing too. You remember, you can only help. You can only help those who want to be helped. Yep. A lot of people don't want to be helped. And it's like yeah, I but I don't. I don't want to stand by and watch my community implode on itself because I can see. That's I can practically point out, you need to go to the doctor. You need to go to the doctor. You need to stop smoking crack and you need to listen to your mama. So, but, so but you know, you know? But they, they don't, I can't get through. You know, and that's it's, frustrating. It's just like, this is, I, I did an interview um, last week and we were talking about the girl with the track. Okay. You mm -hmm. know, about smoking weed. And I told people, look, that, that was her choice. You know, she did it. You know, she was because anybody that goes to um, USA trial, you get a, you get a handbook a year before you go, and they tell you the do's and the don't. You're gonna take a test when you get there. 
you're going to take a test, you know, after the finals. You're going to take, if you make it to the Olympics, you're going to take another test for the Olympic Committee. That's right. your problem if you smoke weed a day before the biggest race of your life. I see people talk about it, talking about it. Here we in New Orleans have a little girl who just won a natural spelling bee. Oh, yes. From my neighborhood. You know, from my neighborhood, Harvard, yeah. Louisiana. Nobody talks about it. Here, this little girl challenged people from 200 countries. 200. The first Roz talked about her. Roz talked about her. <laughs> we talk about her. We love her. The, the first ever African American, and she's from my hood. Who that? That's what we tell her every time we go see her. Who that? You know? Yeah, she, she should have been on the front page Thank of every newspaper, but she you wasn't. You know what? She was on Fox News. How'd that happen? <laughs> she was on Fox News. And I'm like, but people won't talk about the little, you know, mm. but people talk about the girl, you know, who failed, you know, who failed the drug test, you know? And I, well, you know, I'm serious. I have two comments about the woman who failed the drug test. One, I agree with you. She knew she shouldn't have done it. Right. However, marijuana has never been a performance enhancing drug. I don't understand why they are testing for it. I mean, it's a it's a dated it's a dated thing, but it's a rule. Look, it comes back to rules. You know, rules it, it, change. Rules can change. I have a friend of mine who's working at UPS. He went out and he ate some um, cannabis brownies. He took it, you know, he got into a wreck and he hit his own personal car. They drug test him. You know what happened when you work at UPS and you flunk one drug test? Yeah, there. But, <laughs> they, but, but that, that, that's, I understand it's a rule, but I don't understand why it's, that's what I said. I don't understand why it's a rule. I understand why, I understand why for UPS, well, it, technically, where she did it, it wasn't. But okay, I guess you're no, saying it, on the fe on the federal level, it is no, still no inter it is the world. It's not limits is the world, not just internet. It's the okay. World. So you're you're saying that because of international rules, mm -hmm. that is why that rule exists. Yeah, yeah. Olympic rules. Because yeah. it's okay. Then you answered my question. My question mm -hmm. was why is that a rule? Mm -hmm. So, and I agree with you. She shouldn't have done it because she knew what the rules were. And I'm just saying. You talking to you talking to ex weed head, you know. I smoke weed with Snoop, Mystica, Soldier Slim. I, I read your <laughs> I read your post about when Snoop joined No Limit. Yeah, y'all smoked yeah. in the truck. Yeah, me it was me him, Soldier Slim, Mystical, and C Murder, and he brought some stuff down. I've seen people talk sticky yicky, that person, <laughs> and I was like, oh man, that thing ain't nothing, man. So we sit in my truck. We, man, we must roll like twenty blunts. And we started smoking. You gotta remember something. I was I was a big time Snoop Dogg fan, and I'm right. sitting in my truck smoking weed with Snoop Dogg. You know, and man, we smoking, we smoking. And when Mystical get it loaded, he starts kicking. You know, he starts rapping. You know, Mystical, look at the birds in the sky. Look at, look at the trees. Like he's just going off. It's just making music. You know, see Red all in the back want to fight everybody. Man, fuck y'all, nigga. Man, I bust a nigga. I bust a nigga. Man, shut up and just enjoy. So just slim in there, he he like he about to get knocked out. I look at Snoop, he ain't even high. <laughs> I believe that he's not even high. Man, he, man, P got so mad at us because we couldn't even get out the car. When he opened the car door, <laughs> there was just smoke everywhere. 
it's just this smoke. And man, and, but you know, hey, I'm hey, I'm an ex sweet head, you know, and I, and, and um, if if I could smoke it right now, I would, but <laughs> I don't want you know I don't want to get kicked, kicked off the whole transplant list. I know the rules, you know, it's rules, mm-hmm. you know. Right. I can I can I can I can smoke cigarettes. I can't smoke weed. I can't use any kind of drugs. If you do, I got a friend of mine who, because right now, you got to remember about me being on a heart transplant list. I, I, I do go once a month for mental health because you got to remember every day I'm sitting next to a phone waiting for a phone call. Yeah. yeah. If my phone rings, <laughs> hello? Mom, what you want, mama? <laughs> what? You know what I mean? You told them people, huh? You know? Now so I have, I'm sorry. I have a question. Yes, ma'am. If you eat poppy seeds, you test mm-hmm. positive for opioids. Do you have to explain things like that? Or do you just avoid those types of foods? Man, I, I don't know anything about that that time. You just hit me on something I have no idea about. You know? <laughs> I mean, I don't know anybody who, who even eat poppy seeds. You know, I don't have that know. You know, poppy, it, it, like a poppy seed bagel or a lemon poppy yeah. seed muffin. If you eat that within an hour, you will test positive for opioids. So, but so apparently you just don't eat poppy seeds. So, <laughs> hey, so hey, okay, yeah. well, move on. I eat, look, I eat pig tails, mustard greens, ham hocks, turkey necks, crawfish, oh, gumbo. Man. That's what I eat, you know. All, all that, that's the, I, I, I eat. Ball shrimp, ball pole boy. I mean, uh, hot sausage, pole boys, egg toothache. That's the stuff. That's stuff you're talking about. I don't even know what the hell you're even talking about. Poppy yeah, seeds, nothing. I never heard of them before. They yeah. even know us. Uh-huh. He don't know they don't eat poppy seeds down there. They, no, they eat good eat down there. No. Okay. <laughs> they sell poppy seed muffins in New Orleans, I'm sure. Probably somewhere. Yeah. Somehow you just made me feel very bougie, and I'm upset by that. <laughs> it, it is what it is. Take the <laughs> you know, I've got, well, look, I got, hey, I, I got a pot of gumbo that I'm eating tonight. You know what I'm saying? Oh, so, man. I'm kind of jealous now. <laughs> I, mean, look, I'm, I, have, I have won over so many competitions in my gumbo. I, I'm, I make the best gumbo from scratch that you ever take in your life. Can you mail something to Wisconsin, please? I mean, just, oh, just a ball. It'll be spoiled <laughs> by the time they get there. It'll be spoiled. <laughs> and, and I tell people my secrets. I, I, I tell, you know, just like I'm not saying talk about my mental illness. I'm also an advocate for sleep apnea. Just, I'm on, just some point out because <clears throat> there's a picture of me, Brad Armstrong, and Chase Tatum. It's us three, and we fold in our own fold. You know, wrestling picture with no limit. And for many years, I was scared to look at that picture because I'm the only one still living. Wow. And, you know, when you look at a picture and go, damn, I'm the only one living. You know? And they both died, you know, drugs and sleep apnea. You know, I knew Reggie White personally. Reggie White died from sleep apnea with a sleep apnea machine next to his bed that he never used. Okay? Everybody thinks that sleep apnea is for people that's overweight. Not true. The reason why so many bodybuilders, football players, wrestlers have sleep apnea, my neck used to be size 21, but it's, it's small now. When, when you have that big neck and a big shoulder muscle, what it does is collapse your airway. And if you ever heard somebody and it's snowing, that's sleep apnea, you know? My girl. Like and, um, 
It's, it's the body telling you, I need help. And especially when you know somebody <laughs> and they're waking up, you know, they're waking up, they're gasping for air, you know. There's a thing called tethertone. You know what a tethertone is? A tethertone is a little piece of meat, a little skin on the bottom of your tongue. Sometimes it's weak. So when you go to sleep and lay on your back, the tongue rolls in the back of your throat and it blocks your throat. And that's what that's what causes that. It's called tethertone. And a lot of times it's called fat lazy tethertone, you know, we're talking. So a lot of times when people, even kids, infants, even infants die from sleep apnea. Children's life, dogs die from sleep apnea. It's, it's, it's all over the world. So, you know, you have, when you have obstructive you know, sleep apnea and, you know, your throat being, you know, shut. You know, I remember being on a tour bus with my friends and pros in high school and college. And they, you know, we throwing stuff in their mouths and all that kind of stuff. We yeah. throwing spitballs at them. It was funny then, but it ain't funny now because I know the danger of sleep apnea. I hooked up with the... Um, uh, Best Sleep Magazine next month is doing a, the whole magazine about me, you know, wow. sleep apnea, and um, I tell everybody to get, you know, you know, sleep apnea. Best Sleep Magazine, from cover to cover, is is about Big Swole. We talk about sleep apnea. We talk about my mental and mental issues. We talk about, um, you know, um, my heart disease, but I'm also um, I'm also an advocate for diabetes. You know, I've done a bunch of stories about diabetes, you know, because I do I do have diabetes and um, I do a lot of stuff on, um, you know, you know, like I said, a sleep apnea and uh, you know, mental issues. You know, um, I, there's a company out of Africa about to do a, a, a magazine about my mental state. And so, you know, <laughs> my goal right now is about health, not wealth. I don't want to be rich. I don't need a Bentley. Because when I go see my friends and they pull up in their Bentleys, I'm pulling up in my F-250 at the same time. <laughs> Give me health. I take health over wealth any day. I have a couple questions. Yes, ma'am. Now, I have diabetes. I've mm-hmm. been told I have sleep apnea. First of all, I don't sleep on my back. I sleep face down. Mm-hmm. So Ass up. <laughs> See, you could have just left that go. (laughs) But anyway, um, I have a CPAP machine. I do too. It annoys me more. It Mm -hmm. wake. I don't already don't sleep. I have Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. terrible insomnia, and Mm -hmm. if I do fall, I take medicine to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, it doesn't help. Mm -hmm. Once I put that machine on, I'm supposed to wear it an average of four hours a day. I'm lucky if I make it two and a half. Mm-hmm. I have more troubles trying to sleep with that thing on mm-hmm. than I do without I it. My dog just bit me. I'm sorry. I have a poodle. <laughs> I got a poodle, and he don't like he don't let me pet him. You know, he just bit me. You know, you know, his name is I, Alpha. You know, mm-hmm. he, he he a gangster. You know? <laughs> but can I, can I tell you what help you though? Um, a lot of people don't know they have sleep apnea because people don't see themselves sleep. Okay, ask, ask you know, ask, ask your husband, or, you know, or, you know, or your mate, you know, record me while I'm sleeping. You know, record. Me. I've been through a sleep study. Yeah, you know, I've, I've been diagnosed with it. 
The best thing I could tell you to do to help me out, I sleep in my reclining chair and I sit in a 45 degree angle and I don't snore. I get the best sleep of my life. This, this from doing this to doing this will change, you know, because well, I can't sleep reclined. I have to sleep like on my stomach. I, I don't like sleeping on my back. It, it drives me nuts. I'm, I'm telling um, you. But they told me if I use the CPAP machine that that might get rid of my diabetes. And I have noticed a yeah. drop in my numbers, mm -hmm. which now has caused my numbers to drop mm -hmm. to the point that they're falling below. That hurts. Yeah, low, so I'm low, like, what do I do? <laughs> low, low blood. I, I rather have low blood. I rather have high blood sugar than low blood. Because when your sugar gets low, you start to shake. You know, and, you know, got to put the peppermint in your mouth and all that kind of stuff. You know, I you don't. Say, none of that know? happens. I just see the number <laughs> on the screen and say, "Oh, it's 52. I should drink some juice." Mm -hmm. Nothing. The the only the only time it seems to really affect me is my numbers have to get like really high, like over 200. Okay. Then I start getting the excessive thirst and the fatigue. But mm -hmm. bet between 52 and 180, I don't feel anything. Because I, I, yeah. I test myself every day. If I'm above 150, I take a shot. And if I'm below 150, I don't take a shot. But you know, you know me. I gotta have I gotta sneak me a root beer, you know. <laughs> you know, I, I gotta I gotta have me, I gotta have me you know some peppermints or something, a, a, a cinnamon roll. You know, and when I do good, I do good. You know, but you know, I'm I'm, I'm gonna take the shot. You know? But I don't take I don't take shots. I take medication, mm -hmm. but I don't take shots, and I eat pretty bad. much what I want. Huh? You're, not, you're not bad like me. You're not you're not bad. Well, uh, uh, apparently she thought I was ready to be hospitalized or something. Mm -hmm. Oh, hi, puppy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is Taco. He's 16 years old. Hi, wow. Taco. We just uh, we just we just put our poodle down. He was eighteen. He was eighteen oh. years old, and I got um, I got two black mouth curved puppies that's looking at me. And, uh, oh boy, shut up! And I got um, he's running he's running big dog, and uh, and I got a I got a uh, I got American bully, and I have um I have four horses, and that's that, that that's that's my life. And, and if you can hear, that's every day. <laughs> that's, that's, that's it. I'm gonna tell you now. You know, you and I, you know, we have we have to share our stories with people because I got friends of mine who going blind. I got friends of mine who lost limbs. You know, because you know sometimes a diabetic you can't cut your own toenails. You know, because if you pull a toenail, you, you're bleeding. You know, and it turns to a sore. Wow. You know, so we have to educate our people about you know. About this stuff because they just don't. You know, a lot of people don't want. I, I I had one guy tell me, "Hey man, if I got sleep apnea, let me die in my sleep. It doesn't matter. It matters to your family, right? You know, it matters to your children. Don't do don't do it for you. Do it for your children. You know. And I mean, right now you you know you you know at the point you know you know at the point where you, you got to take insulin. You know, and keep and keep it that way. You know, if I drink a bunch of water, I'm doing okay. But I got to have a soda every day. Say I don't I don't drink soda. I don't the only reason I keep juice in my house is because I was told if my blood sugar drops under right. 70, right. I need to have fast acting carbs. That's why that's why I have, that's, that's why I have peppermint. That's the only reason that I keep that's the only reason I keep juice in the house. Otherwise I just drink sparkling water. That's it. Uh, you well, see, this? see this? Perrier? I, I drink it all day. 
I, I drink. You drink lemon, I drink lime. <laughs> and somebody asked me, my heart condition, you know, they asked, well, you know, what do you think caused your heart? And, I, and I'm going to tell the public the honest truth. Um, I think Red Bull and, and fat burners caused my, my heart attack. Wow. It, because when I'm, um, a friend of mine is a representative for Red Bull, and I used to get cases a week, cases, you know, and I drink three, four a day for I work out because I was working out four hours a day, you know. I was taking those fat burners. I mean, I was big, ripped, cut. You know? And I mean, I remember when I be work, I start taking those Red Bulls when I'm doing a workout. I start shaking, you know. You know, I be, I be, I be shaking. And I'd be like, oh man, I got you know, I get, I be like this, you know. And I start working out, and it goes. And I really, I really think when I see, I was in the store um, a month ago. And I seen this young black girl. She had two kids, and she was buying them Red Bulls. Tell them, drink your Red Bulls so you can stay up in school. What? No. How, how about how about putting your, the children at bed at eight o'clock? Okay. Get Put them to bed at a reasonable hour. I actually had to tell my but, brothers okay, to stop exactly drinking. What is those. your heart condition? I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Say it again. I'm sorry, I ain't What's hear you. Question? Did she freeze? Yeah. Oh, she froze. Oh, I was asking, what exactly is your heart condition? I have a I have a heart disease. And um, what happened was my, my heart started being deformed. It wasn't looking like a heart anymore. And um, a lot of NFL football players and a lot of wrestlers have heart disease. A lot. You know, we have so many. And people realize when you're an athlete, you know, that's like I tell young girls, you sure you want to date athlete? Because it's fun when we're young, but when we get old, you know, it, it's yeah. hell time, you know? And um, I have a heart, like I said, I have a heart disease, and uh, I have a heart heart pump behind my heart. I had, like I said, open heart surgery. And, um, you know, you know, I mean, I posted a video today. Uh, I did sometimes two years ago. And I was talking to them. It's called a positive message from Swole. And you, you, know, you can hear me, you can hear me talking like that, you know. And um, you know, I mean, you know, I, I, I almost died. Oh, hey, I, I got called my daughter because my battery's about to go. Hold on one second, I'm about to scream. Randy, <laughs> Randy. Okay, but I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to scream. But no, it's fine. <laughs> You know, I don't know. I don't know how to do this, but you know, it's um, you know, it's. I mean, you, know, you don't know how many friends I've lost in football, or how many friends I. Tony said as a personal friend of mine. Oh yeah. The last, the last year Tony said played football, he got traded to Denver Broncos. Okay, we became real good friends. I talked to Tony like a year ago. He don't, you don't even know who I am. You know, he used to come yeah, he said he's doing real bad. Yeah, real bad. Yes. You know? Oh, the charger. Yeah, the charger. And I, mean, and I say, man, it's 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 man, you just don't understand, especially with professional wrestlers. Okay, you can know, I get that way? Yeah, you can do it, right? Because okay. this, this in wrestling. Wait, you see the. Oh. Okay. See in wrestling, we, we don't have all seasons. You know, we wrestle yeah, all it's year day. round. It's year round. <laughs> you know, we don't. Yeah. We don't, and, you know? A lot of wrestlers seem to have 
lots of physical problems later yeah. on, like after they retire, yeah. and they seem to die pretty young. Really? And, it, and it's it's and nobody's looking into it. Matter of fact, they've they've actively tried to stop them from looking into it because yeah. of the I guess the type of training and things that they go through because they push their bodies like just to extremes, and and then when they stop or get retire or whatever, mm -hmm. then their bodies just seem to kind of like break down. Well, see, that's, but, that's, where, that's where so, so many um, rascals are alcoholics and drug addicts, you know, because, you know, man, pain. and you got to wrestle every time, you know, one day you're in Atlanta, next day you're in St. Louis, next day you're in Baton Rouge, next day you're in Los Angeles, and you might do four shows in one week. You know, I remember one time the Undertaker said that he did 276 shows in one year, two hundred and seventy-six. There's only two hundred sixty-five days in a year. This <laughs> <laughs> is too much, you know. And That's um, way too much, you know. And, and, it's, and it's and these guys, you know, like Paul Ondorf. Paul Ondorf was wrestling in his eighties independently. He was still doing wrestling matches in his eighties. I don't want to be that person. I, I just don't want to be it. And uh, but sometimes, you know. When you talk to people about wrestling, hardcore fans won't fight you when you tell them the truth. It's like I tell, like, like I tell people the reason why I hate, you know, Andre the Giant, and the reason why I hate, you know, Hulk Hogan. I hate Hulk Hogan because he's a racist, you know. He, he's, he's a bigot. This like, this like, this this like. You don't know how many Kamala, um, somebody else, and um. Uh, 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 Bad News Brown. I know three black men that want to kill under the giant because he had a problem telling nigga jokes. You know? And I know three people want to kill him. And when it was in Japan and Andre was talking that shit, you, I tell people, you better read about, about Bad News Brown. He's the first He's the first American that ever won a medal in judo in the United States of American history. He, the boy was bad. Yeah, when, he was. When Andre was talking that trash, New, uh, Bad News Brown told a bus driver to pull over and he said, Andre, get your ass off the bus. We'll take care of you. He gets off the bus, he takes off his shirt. The Steiners and everybody telling Andre that man, sit down. Huh? He's going to hurt you, Andre. This ain't, this ain't no, this ain't no wrestling, you know what I'm saying? Andre, he's going to hurt you. He's not going to hurt Andre, he's going to hurt you. Sit right down. <laughs> Andre John asked him to get off that bus. And I and I and I was told that by the guy who was driving the bus told me this. <laughs> and look at Hulk Hogan with his reality show. His daughter started dating a black man. What he says, he don't want his daughter dating no niggas. And she gonna date a nigga, date a nigga eight feet tall so she can make some money. Yeah. That's the reason why I show off the air. You know. Wow, I never heard that, but okay. Oh yeah, yeah, it's me. Yeah, he's he's racist. Well, that was real point. I, I want to say it was WWE. They said if they brought Hulk Hogan back, all the black wrestlers said they would quit. Yep, all the black wrestlers. Yeah. If you bring Hulk Hogan to WWE, everybody black secretaries, trainers, dog walkers, grass cutters, wrestlers, everybody said they're gonna quit. Well, good for them. That 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 
makes sense. Like I said, I had never heard that, but if that's what it is, that's what it is. Oh, it I is. mean, it's bad. But so many people are that way mm. that claim, you know, oh, I'm so, you know, into diversity and mm. but at the end of the day, when if you do something they don't like mm. or they feel you are somewhere you don't belong, mm. it comes right out. What are you doing here? Minding my business, leaving me alone. But what are you doing here? Why are you here? Why are you? I mean, I I had it happen here in my own apartment building. Mm -hmm. Somebody felt I shouldn't be going into the underground parking and stopped in front of me. Well, I don't I don't play those games because I will knock your ass out in a minute. I don't care who you oh, are. They didn't say anything to me. Yeah. They just stopped in front of me and mm -hmm. wanted me. What they wanted was for me to use my clicker. To right. open the door to prove yeah. that I belong there, and I just sat there. Okay. I was like, "We can sit here all day." When Master P was living <laughs> in Baton Rouge, he lived in this gated community. And at one time, I stopped going to his house because every time I left, I got puzzled by police every time. You know, wow. oh, this bit is this bit is, was reported stolen. Really, a Bentley? You know, you know, all this this Mercedes five hundred SCL. You know, started was reported stolen. Let me see your license and registration. And what you got to do? I was telling one of my friends in Canada about, you know, the the, the talk that we got to do with our black young kids. You know, when they first start driving, boys and girls. Hey, when you get pulled over by the police, yes sir, no sir. Keep your hands on the steering wheel. Don't go to the left. Don't go to the right. Be quiet. Y'all have to have a talk. I don't believe it because it don't happen to you. Right. <laughs> you know, I know when I walk into the store to take my hoodie off. You know, I know when I walk into the store, you know, because, you know, in Louisiana, it's open gun carry. You know, I can I can carry my gun on my side 24-7. But, you know, when you go to certain places, you know, I cover my gun up. You know, but I go to the gas station with my gun up. It doesn't make any difference. You know? Well, I don't know. We have open. We have open. No, I. I want to phrase this correctly. No. I don't. I don't. Yeah. It makes me very nervous when I see people open carrying weapons, and my sons are two of them, and I don't allow them to bring their guns into my house. You secure them in your vehicle, whatever. Don't bring them in my house. But I was in a grocery store, and a man had a gun, and it didn't. I didn't feel like, oh, there's a good guy with a gun. I was like, he's a target, and I'm going to get shot because I'm standing next to him. No, but you know what? Some some grocery stores want you to carry guns in a store now. Since we're happening in Colorado, if you go to Walmart, Walmart will tell you your guns are welcome if they conceal. There's a lot of places want you to carry a gun into their business. Okay, they're not. To, they're not, not. You go to certain places that say no firearms welcome. You know, conceal, open carry. And I understand if that happens, I don't. I leave my gun in the car, or I leave my gun at home. But I, I promise you, twenty four seven, I'm carrying. And I had one of my friends tell me, "Man, look, you know, um, you come to my house, you, know, you, know, you can't bring your gun. You know, leave your gun at home. I bring my gun, but I keep it in the car. You see what I'm saying? I'm not leaving my gun at home because Wait, I, would, you know, I would get caught with it without it." Because I don't expect them to leave them at home, but I don't. I, they guns make me very, very nervous. Why? I don't know how to use them. Like I, 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 I 
And I know me personally, if I owned a gun, first of all, I would be trained in how to use it and how to take care of it and everything. But I would shoot you over cheese and crackers. So I know I can't have a gun. Yeah, you don't need but a gun. I, I, I know I don't. Yeah, you know I don't need a gun. But yeah, I just, I, for people that can handle them, it's fine. But I just don't want them in my home. And I think that that's my right to say I don't want them in my home. It's respectful, you know, and I respect that, but I live on a farm, okay? I carry guns in the city of New Orleans if I kill one of these youngsters out here. I carry a gun at the farm because I got to kill snakes. We got snakes, we got wild pigs, we got we got alligators, you know, in the back of the swamp. You know, we got bears, we got coyotes, you know. When you when you live on a farm, you got to carry a gun. You have to because you never know when you walk in and there's a water markets in the high grass. You know, are you walking? <laughs> are you walking in a in a and a pig see you and that pig charging you? You know, and you gotta shoot that pig. You know, I'm not gonna be on a farm, so <laughs> so <Is that> what- <laughs> none of that will happen to me ever because I am a city girl. I will be in the city. I have been chased by a, a hog, not a pig, mm-hmm. a hog, mm-hmm. and I will never let anything like that happen to me ever. Again, so if it's a matter of me staying above the Mason Dixon line, I'll stay right here. You can have I'm everything you, down there. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is nothing like living on a farm. I promise you, it's the best living in the world. It's, it's at night I can go outside. It's pitch black, nothing, you know. And I mean, you look at you look up in the sky. You know, I don't hear no cars. I don't, I don't hear no loud music. You know. I mean, if I want to walk around my, my, my whole property naked, I can because nobody can see. I I got 400 acres. Nobody can see me, you know? That's nice. And I mean, still living. Huh? When, when I first moved to Madison, I didn't sleep for three months because what? it was too quiet. I heard a cricket and it scared me. I was like, what's that? Is that a cricket? I miss the loud music. I miss the from? ambulance. I miss the art of Milwaukee. Oh, y'all crazy out there. Y'all, y'all crazy. No, y'all, y'all, y'all sick. Seriously. I've been to Mil- I've been to Milwaukee one time. And well, we had to go to Walsh a couple times. You got some sick brothers out there. Seriously. But the noise, that's ambiance to me. That mm-hmm. quiet, I was like, I'm used, to, I'm kind of used to it now. But even now, if I heard a siren in the middle of the night, it wouldn't wake me up. I'd be like, ah, the neighbors are not getting along. It would just comfort me. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, you know, I like the quiet. You know, I, I love it because right now I'm I'm only allowed to go to the phone once a week, you know, because of the doctors. Because I have a I have a two inch cable coming up my stomach that goes to the machine, and I can't have no parasites. You know, um. you know, mosquitoes or anything. You know, to fly on my wound because it's an open wound. Even though I have it, I have it covered. Parasites are so small. You know, that you so I don't I'm only able to go to the barn you know, on on a, on, a, on a Saturday or Sunday, you know, and that's it. You know, and so I'm I'm, I'm I spend most of my time, you know, in my in my recliner with my phone next to me, and just sitting here, just waiting and waiting and waiting. You know, um, is this is this part? And I mean, you know, you know, when my family members come home, they call me from down the street, and I open my door with a gun in my hand, and I, I watch them park. I watch them get the mail. You know, we take out the garbage with a gun in our hand. It's just the way it is in New Orleans. 
Do you know where you are on the transplant list? Well, the transplant list is not really a list. It's compatible. You're compatible. Um, If I was six feet and under, I would have been got a heart. But I have to get a heart for somebody that's six foot four and up. And I'm six six. So, you know, they're telling me, you know, Oswald, you know, keep your weight down. 250, 260, you know, because ain't too many, ain't too many six, six, you know, 300, 280 pound people dying, you know. Right. So it, 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 it's a compatible list. And um, I, like I said, I'm in a group, a support group, and I, I've had friends who, who've had heart transplant, you know, and um, some been on it for two weeks, some been on it for two years, some been on it four months. You know, just got to be ready when they call. You know, you got to stay ready. So it's not really, they say a heart transplant list, but it's, it's really about being compatible. And you have to go, um, your case has to go in front of a transplant committee. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, okay, this person eligible. Okay, how's it? Because at one time, two years ago, I was only weighing 170 pounds. And I, I looked like I, I looked like I was from, from Ethiopian kids. I mean, my, my face was shrunk and then I was so skinny. And they told me, they said, we, we can't put you on the list because you won't survive the surgery. You're too frail, you know? You won't, mm-hmm. you won't survive. So they told me, you got to gain weight. Well, that's all you got to do is tell me, okay? <laughs> oh. there, there's no problem me gaining weight. So I went for six months, I went like from 170 to 280 pounds. They're like, why you put 100 pounds on in six months? Well, when I played pro football, professional wrestling, when I wanted to gain weight, I ate four times a day, you know? I ate, you know? I, I know how to put weight on, you know? So, I mean, but it's just, like I said, it's, it's not a, it's not, you know, it's, it's not a list. It's just a compatible list. I have a very serious question to ask you, and I hope I don't offend you. Yes, ma'am. Does it bother you that in order for you to live, someone else will have to pass away because you cannot get a heart transplant without somebody else dying. It's the worst feeling in the world. Because um, you, you think about it all the time, you know, all for me to live, you know, somebody got to die. And it's very selfish, you know? It's a very selfish thought. And um, something I dream about, you know, somebody gotta die for me. And it messes you up mentally. And it, you know, it's, it's something I just, you know, it's just, you know, but, you know, like in a group, they always say, you know, look at somebody giving you a gift. You know, the person who passed away, you know, they're giving you a gift. You know, so you're getting a gift instead of, you know, somebody's losing their life. And um, I think I think about it all the time. And, man, I, and I, get, I get upset, you know, because, you know, this year for my daughter's birthday, you know, we're sitting at the table with a cake. You know, she blows out the candle, and they say, "What you wish for?" And she said, "I told my dad to get a new heart." You know, 
in them. It hurts sometimes, you know. It's it's and you didn't know step your body. It's it's a it's a question and a thought that we all go through, you know. And um, you know, I guess you know, like I say, people think I'm big and strong. I'm just human, you know. I'm, I'm a human being. I'm a human being that that used to play a gangster role. And I say play, you know. I'm not no gangster, you know. Never been a gangster. Like I said, you know, I carry a gun, but I'm a gangster. I like to fight, but I'm a gangster, but you know, it, it, it's it is re, you know, and I can guess you can tell by my 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 emotions. I get very, I, you know, I, I think about it, and, and I lose it. You know, there's many nights I sit in my chair because you know I can't sleep in my bed because I can't lay on my back because I open heart surgery. When you lay on your back, you feel like your chest is about to rip open. Oh, yeah. You know, so I have to sleep in the recline. I haven't slept. I haven't, I haven't. The last time I slept in my bed, I had a heart attack. And uh, every time for, for a whole year, I didn't even know how my upstairs of my house looked. Because every time I got to the stairs, <laughs> you know, anxiety attacks for a whole year. I didn't even go up my stairs because I was so scared because both times I had my heart attack was in my room. You know? And uh, you know, it's you know, it's just, you know, you know, we just we just we just gotta live, man. And you know, and and I, I know when I do interviews, people wanna, you know, you know, you know, talk about stuff. But, but let's educate, you know. Let's let's talk about something that's gonna make a difference for people. You know, I don't mind telling people about my my mental illness. I don't mind showing my emotions or something because I'm human. But if you go out there in the street, you tell somebody, "Big swole, oh my God, here, gangster, big swole." No, I'm not. You know, I'm a human. I'm a man that needs a heart. You know, I'm a man with brain disease. I'm a man with sleep apnea. You know, I'm crippled. You know, my knees hurt, my back hurt, my neck hurt. You know, and it, it, it's you know it's that's just what it is. You know, and and that question you asked, what it was it wasn't a, a crazy question it's because you don't know. You know, you asked, I answered. Yeah, it wasn't crazy. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I want to thank you so much for well, joining us you. tonight. Uh, this you. is one of my best one of man, you you inspire me because I also have sleep apnea. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I just, you know, I don't need to wear it tonight, but you know, I need to wear it. I, well, need, you know, I need to be here for my kids. Thank you. See thank my grandkids and thank you and be there. And also at some point, you know, my daughter might also be on the heart transplant list because she was born with Hypoplastic left heart syndrome. Oh, so, okay. yeah. you know, that, that hits home here about the heart issues because yeah. she's already had, she's only four and had three heart surgeries. Wow. wow. And she's a strong little girl, but you know. Mm. Wow. I truly feel what you're saying deep inside. Mm. You know, mm. thank you so much for sharing everything that you, you know, talked about today. Uh, we need to, we need to talk again. We're going to have to definitely talk again. Anytime, and man, I hope the next time I won't get so emotional with y'all. No, oh, that's I do, fine, man. That's, I do that's, apologize. That's, you know, and that's the, grown man talk. Grown yeah, man, yeah, we yeah. you know we get emotional sometimes. We gotta let our emotions out. We've been yeah. we've been hiding our emotions all our lives. You know, you tell man, don't do this. Nah, we 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 gotta talk about the emotions. We gotta let it out sometime. What's your daughter's name? Here. What's, huh? your daughter, what's your daughter's name? My daughter's name is Charlie. Charlie. Yes, my daughter's name is Charlie. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put on my prayer list and I have a list 
when I go to bed at night, I pray for people, you know. I have a list on the side of my bed. And, you know, and uh, she's going to be in my prayers. And I, and I promise you, you know, uh, you know, you know, you know, I mean, it's people, just, people just don't know about, you know, our health conditions. And people don't know what we go through, you know. And, uh, you know, sometimes I just sit here and think, you know, man, I'm big swole. I'm not supposed to have a heart disease. You know, I'm not supposed to have diabetes. You know, man, I'm, I'm swole, you know. <laughs> But God brings it back down, let you know, no, you just man. You know, you yeah. man. And I mean, I want to say thank y'all very much. It's been an honor. And everything I said, like I said, I spoke from the heart. I, you know, I didn't I didn't tell you any lies, anything you anything you want to know. You know, I will answer, I ask, you know, ask your questions. But like I said, this this is probably I'm not I'm not I'm, I'm not doing no interviews, you know, for a while, you know, and I want to say thank y'all very much. You know, for me, allow me to, you know, come on and talk to you all, you know. And uh, some people are going to say, oh, y'all talk too much. No, we talk too much. We educate. <laughs> it's about educating. It's about telling people, you know, I'm, we, we're not sitting up. We're not here talking about who's the richest, Master P or Jay-Z. We're not talking <laughs> about most cars and all that. Stuff that people want to hear about, you know. You know, you know we're talking about health issues, talking about life issues. You know, it's like I tell women all the time, and I tell my daughters this. You know, you tell your daughter this, you know, a man can't love you if you don't love yourself. I can't love you. You know, if you don't love you, how can I love you? You know, and I tell my daughters all the time, always love yourself. Don't let society ever say, you know, you know, can I tell you one more story before we get off? One more. Go ahead. Go right ahead. Go right ahead. My mentor is a gentleman named Michael Gray. Okay, Michael Gray owns an insurance company called Gray Insurance, Gray Natural Gas. They, they, they insure all rigs, and they do. I'm talking about his family goes back to the 1800s of being millionaires. I'm, when I say old funky stinky money, you know, old funky stinky stinky money. And the, my farm that I live on, <laughs> I lease it from him. Okay, and um, one day. I was going through a lawsuit. Okay, I broke my neck. And you know, when you go to the lawsuit, you can't work. People filing you, you know. I had nine teeth in my mouth. I was on so much medication. I had nine teeth. Wow. And I never forget one day, my wife kissed me. I said, babe, why are you kissing me? She said, because you're my man. Nine teeth or no teeth, I still love you. And then after my trial, Michael Gray came pick me up, and he said, "Man, I want to take you somewhere." So we drove from New Orleans to Hammond. You see that coastal toilet building? Yeah, I own that. You see that land over there? I own that. We ride past the airport. See the airport? I own ninety percent of it. Wow. So we go down, and we go around the corner. This is, it's this farm that looked like it came out of a magazine, you know, with with, with fishing ponds and, you know. And 18 wheelers and tractors off. He said, Randy, I want you to move to the farm, you and your horses. What? He said, man, this is 400 acres. He said, you can use everything from 18 wheelers. You can use the golf course. He said, I'm going to pay your light bill. I'm going to pay your water bill. I'm going to buy the feed for your horses. I'm going to buy the feed for you, you know, everything you hate. And I'm going, what? You know, because having horses is expensive. 
You know, yeah. it's not cheap. And I'm going, what? You guys remember I had nine teeth in my mouth. And I said, uh, he said, let's go eat. He said, what you want to eat? Let's go eat some shrimp and grits because that's all I can eat, you know? So we're sitting at the table and I asked him, I said, Michael, everybody's abandoned me. Master P, all my friends, you know, nobody's helping me. I said, why are you helping me? And he looked me in my eyes and said, Randy, I'm going to tell you a story about a boy named Swole. He said, um, one day Swole was walking through the woods. And he, he fell into this hole and he couldn't get out. And he said, Swole is screaming, help me, help me. So this banker walked by and he said, man, I'm stuck in this hole. And the banker said, look, when you got out this hole and you get yourself together, here's my card. Come see me. There was a card in the hole. Swole still yelling, help, help, help. A doctor walked by. <laughs> doctor said, when you got that hole, here's, a, here's, here's some prescription. Go get him filled and come see me. So now Swole's really desperate. And a common man walked by. And Swole's saying, please help me, please. I want to get out. He said, a man named is Michael. He jumps in the hole with Swole. Swole said, we both stuck. And Michael looked at me and said, no, man. I know the way out. I'm going to get you out of school. I know the way out. And that's what he did for me. The first thing he said, this is a white man. He said, Randy, what's the first thing I could do for you? I said, man, I'm so embarrassed about my mouth. You know, here I am. I'm hiding from people. I'm talking like this, you know. I'm talking like this. He said, "He said, um, hold on. He called the secretary. <laughs> Tell us, secretary, call somebody, you know. Send back the information. Um, like this guy, he's a billionaire, not a millionaire. He's a billionaire. And uh, his secretary calls back and he's writing down. He said, Randy, I want you to be at the address at nine o'clock in the morning. He said, be there, don't be late. Said, okay, drove back to New Orleans next day. I wake up and I go to this very fancy dentist. You know, I'm talking about this, this is high dollar dentistry. Uh -huh. So I walk in there and I said, uh, my name is Randy Thornton. Randy Thornton, come on. We've been waiting for you. Come on. So now I, they take me back there, and uh, they're doing all these x-rays. You know, they got all these people over me, the doctor over me. Oh, we're going to do this? We're going to do that? I said, hey, man, I'm on Medicare. <laughs> <laughs> my insurance is not going to pay for this. And the doctor looked at me. He said, Randy, you're going to be okay. I said, what are you talking about doing? He said, we're going to do all implants. We're going to do, we're going to do posture implants on the bottom, you know, and posture on, you know, on the bottom, but you're going to be doing implants. And I'm like, you know, how much are you talking? You know, probably around $45,000, $50,000. Like, what? I don't have that kind of money. He said, no, it's already paid for. I said, huh? He said, Michael gave me his black card number. Told me as much as I want to use. I lost it. I lost it. You hear me? Mm -hmm. I lost it. Here's a man that society is telling me to hate. You know? They tell me to hate this man. And here this man is done more than me. You know, than my own daddy. You see what I'm saying? You know? And, and, and this and this smile you look at see right now, that's a fifty-five thousand dollar smile. <laughs> I'm so proud of it. You know? And people always tell me, are those, are those your teeth? I own them. <laughs> they mind I own them. 
you know. Yeah. I mean, I want, and, I, and, and I just want to share a story with you and your people. You know, you know we, we gotta uplift each other, man. You know, if someone, if if if, if a black man down, don't laugh at him. Don't talk about what you're gonna do for him. Just do it. You know, just do it. I do a lot of stuff in my community that you would never see in the media because I tell them I don't want to be on the news. You know, I don't want to be in a newspaper. I don't want to be on the television. If I get there, there's a camera there, I'm leaving because I do it from the heart. I don't do it for attention. A lot of people do stuff because they want, look what I'm doing. You know, I'm doing a basketball camp. Look what I'm doing. You know, I'm doing this. Look what I'm doing. That's not me. That's not me. Yes, ma'am, you want to ask me something. Come on. I, I don't. I, it's not a question, but I, I I feel like I'm just being negative, Nancy, today. But no, no, you're not. I, I I get the the like I I do all of my donation donations and everything online, and mm -hmm. I don't you know I do them all anonymous, mm -hmm. and I I just say help where you can. Right. But when it comes to my community, mm -hmm. and somebody says I need help. And I said, okay, what do you need? What do you need? And I said, well, I need food. Well, let's go get you food. Mm -hmm. But then when you say, okay, I'm going to, oh, Bobby, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh -huh. But then you say, okay, I only have $50 to spend. Mm -hmm. And then they say, well, I want this and I want, mm. you know, then they try to get fancy on you when you get to the store. Look, I'm trying to help you and your family yeah, make right. it through the end of the month. Right. And you want to tell me you want T-bone steaks and, and lobster when mm. you need to be buying peanut butter, jelly, yeah. bread, bologna, things that's right. going to help you and your family right. eat for them. What, I, I don't know how to navigate that. I just get mad and walk away. Figure it out yourself. And that's that's not the answer. I know that's not the answer. Can, can, but can, I don't can, know what the answer is. Can, can I tell you what I did have? You know, I've made, I've made millions. You know what I did have for my earnings? Can I tell you? I gave, I gave half my earnings at St. Jude's Hospital and the Children's Hospital in New Orleans. Wow. Put a check, you know? Don't tell nobody I did this. I started a food bank called Plenty of Fish, you know, that I started with a friend of mine, you know, um, who's, who's a very wealthy man. And we would go around, you know, and uh, feed the homeless, you know? And uh, nobody knew who I was, you know? And, you know, and like I said, you know, I, I watch people, you know, on TV, you know, how, you know, how much money do you need? You know, I mean, how much money do you want? Because if you're not doing nothing to your community, man, I tell anybody, if you want to change your life, go to a children's hospital. I promise they'll change you. So it's better for me to continue to just give my donations anonymously and let that, let that go. Rather than try to help an individual and and get upset, so just continue yeah, to get the food banks and things that I, yeah, like that. It's a, it's about you and your spirit. Because I tell people in a minute, you know, don't mess with my blessing. You know, that, that's a <laughs> blessing. And people all say, man, you know, Saint Jude, you know, you know, you know, why are you getting money, Saint Jude? Nigga, that's what I want to do. That's my money. <laughs> you know, what you to do with my money? You know, this this is what I want to do. I gave half my earnings to St. Jude's. I gave half my earnings to the Children's Hospital in New Orleans. And guess what? I'm at peace. I'm at peace with it. I well, I, I, you know? I give the food banks and things like that because mm -hmm. it, when I was struggling, 
Mm-hmm. And I had and my daughter still sometimes is struggling and mm-hmm. has to use. And I want there to be that option for mm-hmm. people that are struggling to be there. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I don't have a lot of money, but I give what I can, you know, when I can. I don't feel obligated to make a monthly donation or anything like that because I can't afford to do that. I I'm, I can't put myself out on the street trying to help somebody else. You know, you know, you know, you know, struggling is good for the soul. You know that, right? Because when you struggle, when you get it, you learn how to appreciate it. You know. Yeah. You know, you know, struggling. You know, you know, it's it's, it's like I was telling a friend of mine about black men. We don't commit suicide about finances because you know why? We know how to eat pot of meat. We know how to eat Indiana. We know how to eat, you know, bologna. We, we, know, we know how to go to Walmart and get the bread for 99 cents, you know, with peanut butter and jelly, you know. Mm-hmm. We can make it. A lot of people can't yeah. do that, you know, but they're not, they're not strong mentally. Let me tell you something right now, you know, uh, this, you know, this, you know, you know, when I see celebrities, you know, and, and, and you know, like, like um, Floyd, Floyd Mayweather, He's teaching these boys how to make it rain. You see what I'm saying? He's te- yeah. He's not teaching nobody about mutual funds. He's not teaching nobody about money market, CDs, the stock market, you know. But he's teaching these guys, you know, everybody want a Bentley. Everybody want this. Everybody, you know, everybody got to have, you know, you see these, right, these young rappers. Oh, you know, I got five Bentleys. They all drive the same, you know. The <laughs> only person making money is the insurance company. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, they're gonna have five bitlings, they're gonna have this and that, you know. You know, this is like my ex boss, you know, always showing off, you know, this is what I got. Oh, take a tour of my home, see all my jerry, see, 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 you know, that's that's just not me, you know. And, and, and you, you gotta ask yourself when you do something, what are you doing it for? Are you doing it to get recognition, or are you doing it for that? Your soul. I do because of my soul, you know. I there's many times, you know. Some I need somebody lend me a hand, you know. You know, lend me a hand. I mean, one time <laughs> I lost all my money to, in the Ponzi scheme, you know, and I, I was financially broke. I had to sell everything, and that's why I tell young men: find your woman that got your back. When you down and when you up, because see, I know about my queen. I seen myself. I couldn't clean myself, but my queen made sure I was clean every day. See, a lot of girls can meet these guys when their money ran out. They're gone. Now, I'm going on 27 years. You see, and I mean, she took care of me. My daughters, they take care of me, and I try to tell these guys. And find somebody, you know, that you can grow old with, you know, that, you know, that you're gonna love, that you're gonna cherish, you know. And they, they just and I tell the young ladies, you know, wear clothes. You don't gotta be, you don't gotta show everybody your body because the, the, the imagination is the most important part of you know of any of any man. You know, if you show them everything you got, I'm not interested. You know, mm-hmm. and I, and I'm I'm on Instagram and. Now you got white people, girls pee popping. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, they, they turn on and show me butts. You know, and, and I turn it. You know what I mean? It, it's just, it, 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 it's, it's sad. And then you see these parents, you know, got their two, three year old kid pee popping on the ground. 
Are yeah. you serious? No, can you, make sure the child knows ABCs. Make sure it knows his numbers, you know? But that's I got that cursed thing. out for saying that, but you know, but it's just you know, I, I mean I've been cussed out. I, I cut I've been cussed out a lot of times just look at him. You know, I mean it's, it's your child, you know. My, my you know, my child's exactly. in my child's in college, you know, you know, making good grades. You know, if that that that's where you want to raise your child, you know, raise your child, you know, each his own, you know. But I tell you one thing, you know, uh, my wife works for the Supreme Court. You know, in 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 Louisiana, and and you should see when the brothers go to jail how they crying, you know. Oh they yeah, I've seen it. You know, try to get the appeals, you know. They they write they writing letters, you know, you know, you know, to the judge, you know, you know. I'm I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do this, and I change, and I like no, you're a gangster, you know. Do things, do what gangsters do. Yeah. But the same children you see, the parents yeah. letting them run around and do all yeah. this, that, and other. Those are the same parents two or three years later when the child is struggling in school that's yelling at the teacher, teacher saying right. it's the teacher's fault. No, right. that starts at home. Right. You right. should have taught, you should have equipped that child to go into that classroom to learn. It's not the, the school's job to mm. teach the child their ABCs mm. and one, two, threes. That's your job. The You're supposed should, to know that. That should learn at home, you know, that's your learn at home, but. You know, it, 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 you know, it still come back, you know, at you know, maturity as a parent, you know, because right now you're a grandmother now and you're 32, you know, 35 years old. You're a grandmother. Be nice. I'm just, <laughs> Be I'm nice. Just I'm just telling Be you. Be nice. Truth. Okay, think about this. Think about it. When we were kids, how old was Big Mama? 70? 60? You know what I'm saying? My yeah. grandmother took care of, you know, my, my grandmother took care of seven kids. Seven of grandkids in a project. They ate every day. They had clean clothes. You know, they had a roof over their head. That's I'm not nice. 70. I'm not 60, but I have, 13, I have 13 grandchildren. What? <laughs> That's why I said be nice. <laughs> well, I'm a I'm a grandfather of one. You know, my oldest daughter's 30. You know, I I, I have a six-year-old grand. But I, I'm not saying, but this comes back to no, we got to learn how to, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, I think, you know, I think one of the saddest things ever happened to me, and I was at No Limit, and I'll never forget, we was in Dallas, Texas, and these girls were trying to get into the room, you know, into the hotel, and these two beautiful women walked up, I'm talking about, like they've been, a, like somebody told me about a magazine, they were so fine, and this woman told me, tell Master P, uh, that me and my daughter want to get down with him. I said, what? Me and my daughter we want to get down with Master P. And I asked that woman, are you serious? You just, this your play daughter? I said, no, my real daughter. And you want to have a threesome with your daughter? With a celebrity? I said, man, man, get, man come on. Get, get out the hotel, you know? And that was sad. You know, you you'd be amazed. I can tell you stories that go on at some of them parties will blow your brain away. But that but that's another time, another day. But you know, but but that you know that's the kind of stuff you know, you know, you know we gotta go to. And people, I tell people all the time, like our horses. You know, my my daughter knows the difference between love and being in love. She loves the horses. She loves the dogs. 
but she don't have sex with him. <laughs> it's a it's a difference, right. you know. And a lot of people don't, don't a lot of people understand the difference because you know, come on, look, look, this man could tell you. I'm gonna tell you something to every man. Oh, come on, just let me touch it. I'm not gonna put it in. I promise you. <laughs> Am I right or wrong? Come on. Am yeah, I right just a tip. That's just the, a tip. That yeah. that's been around for so long. Have been said so many ways. Okay, and I, I tell my dogs all the time. I use the same line. I use it so many times, it ain't even funny. You know? I can honestly say I've never had anybody say that to me because I would have laughed at them. I would have looked them straight in their face and laughed at them. Well, you'd have laughed at me because I sure would have said <laughs> And I, I, I would have laughed at you. I'd have been like, get on out of here with that. Because <laughs> hey. I just... Oh my God! Because when you saw when you saw my reaction when you said it, oh, I just started laughing. Am I lying or am I telling the truth? I've used it plenty of times. I'm not gonna lie to you. Maybe too many times. I don't know. You <laughs> know, it, it, it is what it is. But we have to we have to educate our daughters. You know, this, this is love. You know, this is lust. I, I, I have a good friend of mine. Her daughter came home. Was 13 years old, and she came home. At four o'clock in the morning, and she got, she kicked that ass, and she called the police, and she told the police the day I came beat my daughter ass for coming to my house at four a.m. at thirteen years old. Take her ass with you. Take her exactly. Take mm -hmm. her with you. Yeah. So she left, and she wouldn't stay by her, her boyfriend, eighteen years old, and she's thirteen. Two weeks later, she did get a phone call. Her daughter is in jail because her, and her boyfriend killed the clerk, and she didn't. The little girl's the one that shot, and the boyfriend saying, "I ain't telling you." She did oh, that one. Wow. You know, now he's now he's thirteen years old, about to do life in prison, never getting out because she thought this boy loves her. You know, and he he go he goes in front of the police. I didn't tell her to do that. She did that on her own. And guess what? He ain't gonna do life in prison because he didn't pull the trigger. Right. Well, he might, you know, he might get out twenty five years from now, but he gonna get out. But that girl ain't gonna never get. She gonna never get out. That's not love, you know. Some somebody love you to uplift you. Hey, you know, come on. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm gonna make sure you go to school. You know, come on. I'm gonna make sure you do your homework. You know, come on. I'm gonna make sure this. You know, that's love. That other stuff is not love to me. That okay, but think about a thirteen year old brain. Mm -hmm. She probably honestly believed she was in love. And you can't just negate that. You cannot just stamp that down and say, this is not true. Even though your adult brain knows it's not, you have to find a way to navigate that so that you're not alienating the boyfriend, making him the bad guy, because that's just going to make her run to him. But you have to, you know, balance it out. Say, okay, well, you can talk to him two hours on the computer as mm. long as you finish your homework. No, no. In, in no. the case of the eighteen, in the no. case of the eighteen, no. in the case of the eighteen-year-old, that should have been ended. But thirteen-year-old and a thirteen-year-old, or a thirteen-year-old and a fourteen-year-old, you have to navigate that because you, if you negate their feelings, if you negate yeah. their feelings, they're not going to trust anything when they get older because they're not going to be, they're not going to know how to differentiate. I, I you have to teach my, them that. I can call my daughter right now, who's 21 years old and a senior in college, and I told her, until you graduate, 
you ain't dating until you finish getting your nursing degree. Once you get your nursing degree, you can, am I ain't paying? <laughs> am I not paying for it? You can, ain't nobody coming to my house when my daughter was 13 years old. I got pit bulls that will wear your ass out if you come to my house. <laughs> nobody, you see my chihuahua. Nobody comes. Nobody yeah, your chihuahua ain't nobody to mess with. But I, okay, okay. If that's your yeah. rule, if that's your rule, mm -hmm. then that's fine. But if you if you are if, uh, if apparently this parent was allowing that child to to date no, or was, whatever. You no, know, she was working a double shift as a mother. She was a nurse, and you know, and to put her girls in private school, she was working double shifts. And she didn't know when she's going to double shift, the girl was sneaking out. You know, sneaking out. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, that's that? a, that's a different situation. But okay, say the child's sixteen years old, and you're no. allowing, you know, whatever. No. So you you can't just you cannot just if that's teaching your child to be sneaky and lie. Then okay, if you, if you flat if you flat down put your foot down and say no, that's going to teach them to be sneaky and lie. No, ma'am, I'm, I'm I'm sorry, it ain't happening in my house. Seriously, because <laughs> I got look, I got rain video cameras in the front of my house, the side of my house, and the back of my house. Every time somebody walk up to my door, my my phone go. That's I, why. I, that's I why you have one grandchild and I have thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just okay, okay. Let me, let me, let me black man. What she just said. Would you let your daughter date an eighteen-year-old man and thirteen years old? Nah, he would have. I would have been in jail because I would have stomped him out or you know did some harm to him. That's yeah. that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that the thirteen-year-old with another thirteen-year-old because the eighteen-year-old was inappropriate. Period. Yeah, thirteen-year-olds don't mess with thirteen-year-olds. Thirteen-year-olds don't yeah. mess with fifteen-year-olds. They met. They mess with these. And then the funny part, they date these boys that come out of jail, and they don't realize why those boys in jail they banging brothers. They down low. <laughs> You see what I'm saying? <laughs> they coming up. I'm just keeping it real with you. They come up. You know, if somebody in prison and somebody in jail for 10 years, what what, what you think they're doing? But then they come out here and they sleep with these sisters and they wonder why these girls have, you know, AIDS. You know, they wonder <laughs> why all this stuff. Because, you know, go. this one will tell you, talk to anybody who lives in Atlanta and tell you what I'm talking about. I went to Atlanta one time. It freaked me out. I, I'm, I'm in the gym working out. Yeah, I am big swole. This dude come over with me. Can I get a spot? Yeah, come, you know, we in the gym. You know, come on. <laughs> this dude said, this dude asked me, you want to go for a drink? Huh? <laughs> we'll go for a drink. I said, my brother, I, I, I'll bust your head with everyone he's wasting in this gym if I think you know what you're saying. Yeah. That's not fair. Hey. Hey. You see my eyes, huh? If you wait a minute, how would you ever meet a female if you didn't ask her out? I didn't have to. My wife asked me out. I was all American. I didn't have to ask her. <laughs> That's not how I work for everybody in America. The person was just taking a chance. You can't get mad at that person because they found you attractive. Now, if you say no, thank you, I'm not interested, and they persist. Then you can be angry, but you that's can't get mad as you can't get that's mad at somebody that's just saying. saying that's not what I said. I told him, I think I will bury you tomorrow. <laughs> you know, and, and I mean it. And I mean, and listen to me. You know, uh, I understand. From a different you time. Let <laughs> me tell you something. It's just like people I talk about Mike Tyson. You know, you don't go to a celebrity room at four o'clock in the morning. You know, you think we're talking to watch TV. You know, 
You know, what do you think at four o'clock in the morning, y'all gonna play cards? You know, just like the room with Bill Crosby. Bill Crosby's guilty, but guess what? That was that was that was 30, 40 years ago. And now you wanna talk about it? Now, this is this is the this is the difference between our society. Bill Crosby can do a crime and go to prison. A white man can do the same fucking crime and become president of the United States of America. There Explain is so things. much to unpack there. <laughs> getting controversial. I don't know if we got time for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, it's true. Come on, no, think about it. You're, think about you're it. absolutely 100% mm. correct because three months or six months before the presidential election that, that orange man won, a, a girl, a 13-year-old girl that was accusing him of having mm. raped her, right. the mm. case was dropped. Right before the election. Right. So Correct. I get what you're saying. I understand exactly what you're saying. But it is what it is. We are here we are. This is where we at. But you still can't get mad at that man for asking you out because he didn't know. You didn't walk around with a sign. I would blow your brains out because I'm telling you Why? He didn't stop, 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 stop. Just stop. Just stop. Just stop. Just stop. Stop. Nope. Nope. I'm not gonna get my show canceled. Just stop. Just stop. Just stop. Just stop, just stop. No, I'm teaching right now. I have gay members in my family, and I respect people like that because you know gay men know what gay men are. They didn't. They didn't know. They know where to go meet men. They got their little signs and all that kind of. That's cool. I give you a perfect example. One time, me and my wife is out. Okay, we eating dinner, and there's these two lesbians. You know, looking at my looking at my lady. You know, I'm, I'm like, you know, come on. Yeah. So I get up and go to the bathroom. I come back. One of them leave no talk to my lady. And my lady, she's like, you know, I could tell a look on her face, you see? Uh-huh. And so I walked up. I said, excuse me, can I help you? Oh, don't be mad, Pop. I ain't going to take your woman. And I whispered in her ear. And I put that gun in her stomach. I said, oh, I said, I will kill you. Do you understand me? And when she felt that bell, <laughs> I said, you want to you play like a man? I will treat you like a man. And I told you ever see this woman here again and you speak to her, I promise you'll be eating soup for the rest of your life. <laughs> all right, all right. Somebody had to go tell her when she walked past one of the waitress, man, you, you missing one of the craziest dudes in the arms over there. Just because he got a suit on me, you know, that's big swole. You know? That's the kind of stuff that makes me mad. You're disrespecting me. You know, you see me with my woman. Why would you gonna wait till I go to the bathroom? try to talk to my room. Roz, I'm going to be quiet right now because I have a whole lot to say and I know Woo! you don't want me to say it. <laughs> all right, so thank y'all so much for watching. <laughs> if you're not, thank you. All right, subscribe to the channel. If you're not already subscribed, check out the scroll. Follow me on Twitter. Big Soul, where can we find you? you know, Insta- what's your Instagram, Facebook? Just search Big Soul or... Yeah, look me up. And look, thank y'all very much. Man, this, this was fun. This, this, no, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Last, no, since my last interview for a while, Thank y'all very much, and I appreciate thank it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much y'all for having me, us. Y'all let me be me, and I, I'm going to say thank y'all very much. And look, thank you so much. You were, you were wonderful, and it's nice to be talking to a beautiful sister. You know, may God bless you and your family in so many ways. And my brother, I'll be praying for you, praying for your daughter. She's going to be all right, okay? Thank you and so you much. Thank you right. so much. I promise you. And I want to say much love to both of y'all, and I want to say thank y'all again very much. Y'all have a nice day. All right, we are out.